I can take a bragging podcast. I can take a conniving podcast. I just can't stomach a sentimental podcast. Oh, very nice. Thank you. Yeah. I mean, there were, I was also thinking, uh, things changed. I'm not the same podcast I was in Vancouver. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, that is good, actually. That one's funny, too. Maybe I should have gone with that. Yeah. And I gave you both options. Yeah. But you had a little Eric Roberts you wanted to do. Well, that, I mean, that, I mean uh, that's actually right. Cliff right, Roberts. that's the uh, the doctor right, character. Right. I'm worried about doing Eric Roberts. Like, Go I feel on. like if you do even an impression of Snyder in this movie, you maybe never come back from that. Right, you get evil. Well, yeah. Did this movie make him evil? Is he evil? Is Eric Roberts evil, or does uh, he just look evil? He, and please weigh in, guys. I think he's at the very least broken. Is that fair? Can so, I weigh in on this? Yes. Please. Yes. Yes. Yep. Yes. Yep. Because, yeah. like, this is what his, this is, like, one of his first ever movies. Like, he's only, like, three movies in at yeah. this point. Has Pope of Greenwich Village yeah. happened at this no, point? No, that's, that's the next year. Okay. He had to be persuaded to take this role. Yeah. Yes. So he was bright enough to know this is not a sympathetic one. Yes. But based on what I've read about him, he's bad news. And then I would even say in this movie, I, I, I found myself thinking on the way over here, it would have been interesting if this was sort of, like, more influenced by Travis Bickle as a performance choice see i think it's an unbelievable performance but I, I do i do i think it's an incredible performance but i think it's the kind of performance that's like ruinous for a career and i think you know there's all the the dumb hand-wringing that happens over like when people play the joker they never come back from that and i'm like it's a fucking clown with face paint like even as extreme as you're gonna make him people know what movie they're in right and this is a performance i'm watching where i'm like i don't know how you come back from this yeah. I don't know how you play this this thoroughly and don't have it somehow permanently alter your brain. And he trusted Fosse when he agreed to it. And I don't think Fosse did well by him. And I also think Perhaps. Rupert Pupkin is another version of who this character could have been. But he was just following orders. I mean, even more than the sort of the, the violence, obviously, and the ugliness of the character and whatever. The desperation of this guy. Yeah. Like, every scene of this movie is like the porno scene in Taxi Driver, but amped up to 75. Yeah. Where you're just like, Jesus Christ, guy, please, you're making me so fucking uncomfortable. Combined with the firework, the firecracker scene in Boogie Nights. Yes. 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 That's a good one, where you're just like, I want to turn this off because I don't want to look at this guy anymore. Yeah. Like, so, it's just making me feel Let's awful. get to it right away, because uh, this is a podcast called Blank Check with Griffin and David. I'm Griffin. I'm David. It's a podcast about filmographies, directors who have massive success early on in their careers, and are given a series of blank checks to make whatever crazy passion products they want. Sometimes those checks clear, sometimes they bounce. Baby. Cool. This is a mini-series on the films of Bob Fosse. Mm-hmm. It is called Pod That Jazz Cast. That's right. This is our final episode. It's Sadly, his final movie. Career yeah. cut short. Yeah. Started late, By making death. movies. Died young. Yeah. Ish. Young-ish. Young-ish. What was he? Let's find out. It was, it was old 60. for him. The, the, the fact that he got to that decade is kind of amazing. That's a good point. Yeah. I mean, he will, I'll give you the research, but he essentially expected to be dead after all that jazz. Right. And then he was like, I'm still alive. I made the movie where I'm dead. I don't know what to do right. now. Like, I, I figured this was it for me. All that jazz has perhaps the greatest final film energy of all time. Right. Uh, but then he made another movie, and then he died. Yeah, the other thing is, I always thought, because, I mean, this movie was so damaging to his career, that I was like, he made this movie, and everyone hated it, and then he died immediately. And it's like, no, he lived for, like, another no, five years. he was years. working on other stuff. Five, six years. He, he just yeah. never could get a movie made again. Yeah. He went back to the stage, and it, it, this movie is a shame for reasons that we'll get into, but... So here's the thing. I love this movie. I think this is a great movie. But I think this movie is almost unbearable to watch. I think this movie is like staring into the sun. 
I think it's one of the darkest films ever it's made. It's very upsetting. It is like brutal and unpleasant. I do think it's incredible. I, I, well, I will admit watching it this time, I like couldn't even fully focus on it. You think For this the is, sake of my sanity. You really think this is a fabulous, incredible movie? I do. I do. But I, it's the kind of film that I don't ever feel like I can actually endorse or recommend to recommend people. Recommend to people. Right. Why would you recommend not this even, movie right, to Not someone, even because like, oh, of, of what it says about me. But I'm just like, I mean, this, I, I don't know what even to tell you. Like, Grueling, unpleasant. Yeah. Yes. Like, the first time I saw this movie, it fucked me up for like a week. I, it like really haunted me. And mind you, I, in the wake of watching it, I went deep into like, I read the fucking Bogdanovich book. You know, and I watched Galaxy and I was just like so sort of obsessed with the tragedy of the whole fucking thing. Red, like killing of a playmate, like all the stuff sort of surrounding it. But I spent a week where I was like really fucking haunted by it. And so even in preparation for this podcast, I was like, I'm going to I'm going to fucking half watch it because if I give it full attention, I won't be able to record tomorrow. If I like fully engage with this thing, I will be too haunted by it to engage or at least haunted by the soundtrack. All of it. One of the worst soundtracks. From the best filmmakers. And by the way, I do want to mention, I really do appreciate you giving Bob Fosse the credit as the filmmaker he was. And I do think he is as, you know, highly regarded in the theater community. Obviously, no one could get enough of sucking a stick in that world. Yes. He, I do think, is incredibly underrated as a as a filmmaker. I, I agree. I think so, too. And I think part of it is just that his legacy is so large in theater that people come to conclusions of what they think he must have been as a filmmaker. You know? Yes. But, but that said, my... I have a lot of thoughts about this movie. One of his, what a waste of such a... Of, of a guy with... I mean, talk about his filmmaking. Not even, you know, Pauline Kael would call them tricks. Sure. But the 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 skill and the talent in his quiver using it towards such a nasty, brutal, I don't want to say a trivial story, but when I think about what's a great movie, I think, why was this made? What's the what's the point of this? Well, what are we taking away as human beings? It's it's the fascinating thing of like, along with just the the horrible tragedy of Dorothy Stratton's death, two huge directing careers are essentially immediately killed in the wake of this thing, right? Well, like Bogdanovich uh, essentially put torpedoes into a coma, himself. at least with Bogdanovich. Yeah, yeah, and never like fully recovers. Cult of personality wise, he's been intact and, you know, yeah, sure. he kind of recovered it, but, but yes, yeah, certainly he never was a major no. filmmaker. And he got yeah. to marry her sister. So, is it really he a sure sad did. story? Well, and then, and then the Fosse thing, it, like when you read interviews with Bogdanovich before he died about like when Stratton would always come up and they'd ask him about Star 80 and he'd be like, I was so fucking angry he would do that. Yes. That he would do that to another filmmaker. Oh, right. That he framed it, not that they were friends, but like this Right, like the brotherhood of directors, sure. Right, and he said, and he got exactly what he deserved. Everyone hated the fucking movie and destroyed his career and he died. That reminds me of in Anatomy of Murder when they're prosecuting the, they're like, let's think about ruining a man's life before we convict this person of rape. And it's like, anyone want to talk about the woman? Absolutely. Absolutely. But it is to another filmmaker. Too. It is fascinating that I do think a lot of the response to this here? movie was, well, Bob Fosse brought this on himself. He cursed himself. Why would he do this? He has the written and directed by credit and it's yeah. his last movie. And it is I mean, he really went into this, you know, guns blazing. I'm going to get the rights to this article. I don't care if I have to call her Dorothy's mother. I'm right. telling this story and I am not I'm disappointed that that he I, I'm, this movie breaks my heart. And he dies restaging 
Sweet Charity. Sweet Charity. Yes. Which is essentially the in, thing he was Gwen trying Burden's arms. to yes. avoid doing. As a right. film, but not as a show. As a, They're two completely different entities. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. And yes, he dies in Gwen Verdon's arm. There's a certain poetry to the whole fucking thing. But I also think probably by his own admission at that point in his career, it's like the last thing I want to do is have to revisit my past works. We can get into it. There it's are his many own fault. things he did. his own fault. Do. Look, our guest today from Double Threat. Hi. show Difficult People. Julie Klausner is here. I'm delighted to be here. Thank you so much for having me. Hi, Julie. Second we announced we were doing about Fosse, everyone said. Julie better be on one of these. It better. Julie's doing one of these. So kind. I really do appreciate it. Um, 100%. Have to have you here for Star 80. Yeah, this movie bums me out. It's a hot take. Yeah, don't. I don't know. No, my Eric Roberts question, just to go back to that, it's like, I feel like in the 80s, he was considered a major talent. Yeah. He was nominated for an Oscar for Th- Runaway Train. Does Runaway Train happen before this? No, after. Jesus. I'm saying, like, yeah, this yeah. is very, very early in his career. He took it to get an Oscar. Uh, This? Oh, 100%. Yes. Everyone yes. making this movie thinks they're getting Oscar nominations. Yeah. But, like, in the 80s, he is, you know, a talent. Yes. He is seen as a talent. And then when is it that he then becomes seen as onset nightmare? You don't want Eric Roberts. It's like late 80s. Early 90s? It's, it's a very similar arc to Mickey Rourke, I right. think. Mm. Because you don't want to deal with that guy. It's not like at some point the guy has a mental break and then becomes too difficult relative to his talent. It's that there's like 10 years of everyone being like, this guy's a fucking movie star. If only he could get his demons in track. Right. And not only does he never get his demons in track, but he never becomes like a commercial star. Never. He's never worth enough he never money stops. to the studio to put up with his bullshit. He never stops working. No. And then he just becomes like the guy who makes like a million directed video right. movies a year. And it's like, fun fact, he's, you know, related to Julia Roberts. And then he'll pop oh, up. Oh, okay. He's Roberts' yeah. brother. And Emma Roberts' father. Yes, he's Emma oh, Roberts' father. Right. And like Julia Roberts was like his annoying kid sister. Yeah. Who would be on set and people would be like, ugh, Eric Roberts' right. sister is here. Because like, Eric Roberts has an Oscar nomination essentially like 10 years before Pretty Woman. Right. Well, five. Runaway Train's what? It's a, Runaway Train is 1985. Okay. I, I, I mean, but there's even like, you had like Christopher Nolan giving him a good little supporting part in Dark Knight and being like, Eric Roberts' reclamation project. And then a he little kind bit. Of, right. Doesn't really go anywhere. Mickey Rourke, when he was winning all his fucking wrestler awards, kept on being like, do you remember this in all of his speeches? He was like, one of the greatest undersung actors is Eric Roberts. You gave me another chance. You should give Eric Roberts another chance. And the main thing that translated into was he got Stallone to hire Eric Roberts in The Expendables. Mm-hmm. Yeah, he is in The Expendables. I mean, he currently has like 40 movies, 50, 60 movies yeah, in production. too many movies. Well, I just don't understand it. Anyway. I, I was I was just shocked that this was so early in his career that he was actually almost like an ingenue. So what like, does he do before this? Before this, he's in King of the Gypsies, okay, uh, which he gets a Golden Globe like new star nomination uh-huh. for, and then something called Raggedy Man, which is wow. with Sissy Spacek, okay, where he's sort of the you know Raggedy Man co lead. Yeah, he's uh-huh. the Raggedy Man. It's the yeah, it was it's like Raggedy Ann. That's what it is. It's just, no, it's... It's a dark and gritty. I mean, God, you know, Sissy Spacek, it's directed by Jack Fisk, her husband. Okay, it sounds kind of... Divorced mother and telephone switchboard operator living with her two sons in a small town during World War II? Sounds... It was her follow-up to Coal Miner's Daughter. So it's like a... Anyway. Yeah. Uh, And then Star 80. That's his first three movies. And then Pope of Greenwich Village, Coca-Cola Kid, Runaway Train. He gets an Oscar nomination. Right. And everything after that I've never heard of. Yeah. 
like never heard of any of these movies. Right. The moment they go, congratulations, Eric, you've made it. He doesn't give another memorable performance. Until it's like Until he's Dirk the then. villain in like the specialist or right, right. Heaven's Prisoners. But like, even at that point, I think people are going like, Ooh, is yeah. this where this guy was supposed to end up? Right. Ask Sandy Dennis well, if sure. he was worth it. Yeah, they, I mean, there are so many. There are parallels, right? Stories, yes. Especially when you think about this movie being about people that hang out in L.A. for long enough to get cast, unless yeah. they're horribly unpleasant, in which yes. case. Even L.A. is like, you are not enough of a mensch even to <laughs> right. hang out at the right. Playboy Mansion. Right. You creep us out. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I, I'm now just, I didn't realize Emma Roberts is with Garrett Hedlund. Yeah, they, and they just had a married baby. and have a baby. Rhodes. Yeah. Rhodes Hedlund. Rhodes, R-H-O-D-E-S? Correct. Wow. Yes. And apparently him and Julia Roberts. Yeah, middle name scholar. <laughs> talk for a while. <laughs> yeah, they're, they're being aspirational. Yeah. Four wives, or no, no, three wives. Yeah, he and know. Julia didn't talk for like decades, right? And yeah. it was sort of when Emma was older that I think the plea was made for like, for the sake of her. He made that t-shirt for her that said, aloe vera. I mean, he just seems like a huge bummer to me, but his performance is certainly transfixed. You Snyder know, was worse. Yes. Yes. Uh, yeah, yeah, that yes. guy is worse, right? Yes. That guy's really bad, Paul Snyder. I think one of the things that curses him with this performance, even though I'm realizing it, it, that his sort of most beloved performances were after this, is this maybe reveals something inherent in him. You know, I'm not, I'm not yeah, accusing him. No, I know what you mean. Times, or whatever, you play like, a role like this and people are just like, now you're that guy to th- me and I can't shake There's that. something that feels very honest in this performance that does not feel like acting, where there's an energy that he is revealing within himself that is just, you can't totally forget. You know? I, it is just like, this performance and this movie feel like staring into the sun for me. And I, I think it's that difference of like, he and Rourke were both trying to be these like troubled James Deeney leading men. Right. But Rourke never gave a performance that bummed you out this fucking much. There was always this sort of like sad poetry to Rourke. And then Roberts, you just have this back of your head. I mean, like, Ebert, when this movie came out, went in a whole thing of, like, this is the best performance of the year. How is this being snubbed? Right. And he's just, like, he's just too much of a creep. People don't want to Yeah, it's it's unwatchable. They don't want to give him any credit for doing something this unpleasant. Can I give you guys a little context on Star 80? Please. Just just to help, especially a movie like this. No, David. David's rubbing his temples already. Trying to dig into the story. Like I said, Bob Fosse made all that jazz. Now, I'm imagining, Julia, you enjoy the film All That Jazz. Oh, it's the, it's the, it's the best ever. I call this movie "Oh, That Incel." <laughs> Indeed, you wrote um, a really good piece for the New Yorker <laughs> that everyone should look up about uh, when the Quad did a, a Fosse Film Festival. Right. I saw all of them, and yes. I um, had the never seen. I, yeah, and and I'd never seen Starity before, and I was as turned off as you, but I did not walk away with a sense of this being a great film. Sure. I can't even imagine what it feels like to watch in a room with other people also. I mean, think about watching the news about a shooting or Sure. Sure. Or or, uh, George C. Scott having to watch the video of his daughter in hardcore. No, 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 that was great. She was having a great time. (laughs) Come on. She had her bush and everything. That was was terrific. Hardcore's camp. This was, um, oh, this happens every day and Fosse, with all of his access to style and sure. storytelling, decided to make sure people knew that Dorothy Stratton was raped after she was murdered. 
it is bizarre how transfixed so many people were by this story it and is. by her. It is. I mean, yeah, it's... Well, we can talk about it. He makes all that jazz. Mm-hmm. There's no planned follow-up. There's nothing else. His planned follow-up is a great. Right. Exactly. According to Lynn Lovett, who is his script supervisor and one mm-hmm. of his loyalists, she says, I think he was almost embarrassed to still be alive after all that jazz. So he eventually is like, all right, what am I going to do? He thinks about doing a ballet at the Joffrey. He mm-hmm. thinks about doing a musical adaptation of Big Deal on Madonna Street called Big Deal. Okay. I think that does eventually Big become a project. Exactly. Yeah. You know, uh, he thinks about Cy Coleman's musical Atlantic City, which he was sort of like, my heart wasn't in it. I, whatever, you know, it, 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 that doesn't come together. He's asked to do Chicago as a movie mm-hmm. with Goldie Hawn and Liza Minnelli. I mean... Which sounds fun. I mean. But he was kind of like, no, I don't fucking do that. Like, I don't do stage to movie. Like, right. I do something else, right? Like, that's not the Bob Fosse way. Uh, I can't get it up again for old material. It's like trying to go back to an old girlfriend. That's his quote. And his old, it was his old girlfriend's dream project, not right. his. Indeed. Yeah. Uh, so Patty Shayevsky, his, his drinking buddy slash mentor slash Hollywood, whatever. Slash but, first know. name that comes up after the credits. Thanks to Patty Shayevsky. Yes. Dedicated to really again, you know this was about a woman, right? He, he slides across a human the, woman. The the Pulitzer Prize winning Death of a Playmate article uh-huh. in the Village Voice. And Fosse says, unsurprisingly, maybe to Julie, maybe to all of us, I really identified with Paul Snyder <laughs> when I read this because he was trying to get in. Not like I've been excluded that much, but there's just, I think he was just like, I get the Hollywood insanity of this. And man. I think Paul Snyder is how he fears he is perceived. I, I think, I, I think it's exactly who he fears he a is. A schmucky guy. I believe that eyes. his yes. quote, which is gross in its own right, was, he is who I would be if I were not successful. Yes, yes. right, yes. exactly. Which is grounds for prison. <laughs> there's the, go to go to actual prison. There's the moment that he cross cuts between and and I, Griffin. I, imagine saying if I didn't have a podcast, I'd be Kyle Rittenhouse. You know what I mean? <laughs> Don't say that out loud. I I am the defender of this movie, and it's the moment in it that I think is probably grossest. And it's this thesis. There's the moment he's cross cutting between the the sexual assault of her dead body of her corpse, and then uh, Hefner looking over the contact sheet. Mm. And the Roger Rees, not Peter Bogdanovich character in the right. editing room. And they're both very serene and at peace. And it does feel like that's the exact point Fosse's making is, thank God I had talent and I found a thing I did well. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Like, it, it's, it's upsetting. But also, these not poor guys haven't learned yet and they're not going to be okay. Right. This is going to destroy them. Right. Yeah, there, there is right. There's don't doom, you think there's of the great surrounding everything. Her mother was not in that montage. Her cute little nope. sister. Nope. Future Mrs. Bogdanovich was not. Their pain is irrelevant. Yes. Oh, uh, well, her sister was like a child, right? Yes. yes. Right, but she would learn about it. No, 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 well. no. Yeah. Oh, no, 100%. And would soon be a bride, which is really the, the happy ending, as I mentioned. But yes, Fosse's take is basically like, look, if they had accepted him into Hollywood, this probably wouldn't have happened. This fascinates him for yeah. some, for whatever reason. He writes, he gets the rights to the article. It's almost a Hitler painting thing for him. Or Charles Manson succeeding in the recording. Yeah, Charles Manson dropping an album. But the answer is always like, A, the person wasn't good at the thing. And 
be? No, and, no, and with right. Paul, with Paul Snyder, it was even more nebulous. What is the thing? He the was thing a is, pimp. right? But it was like you just want to be successful. You want to make money off of other people. You want to be respected, which, which is a which is a time honored tradition Absolutely. in Hollywood. Being a barnacle, and there, there wasn't even a failed art that he was trying to do that he could put his finger on. Right? Reloading. There was not a creative pursuit. Yes. And then the additional thing is like when people say like man, if Hitler just fucking got into art school, all of that would have been avoided. It's like you're making it sound like it was just some judgmental person behind a desk who didn't like their fucking packet. A gatekeeping girl boss. Versus that, like, perhaps these people emanated energy that turned off everyone around them their entire lives. And it wasn't that they were turned evil Joker style. But antisocial. So, yeah, antisocial. Pushed into a vat of rejection. Right. A, abuser, violent abuser, right. sociopath. That's yes. the thing that I do think Roberts gets too well is this, this guy immediately makes you want to peel your skin off. Right. So why am I hanging out with him for an hour and well, 45 minutes? Well, well, that's what audiences are certainly asking yeah. as they're filing out of the theater. Yeah. Or not and, filing out of the theater. Filing right. out of the theater into a different movie 30 seconds in. And expecting my sympathy towards him because he really does get the Roy Scheider treatment in this. I don't know I, if I feel any sympathy for him. I, yeah. He frightens no, me. No, no, but movie. I'm saying Fosse does. And that I, is so gross to me. I think Fosse, I think, look, I really think this movie is just like a total poison pill movie from Fosse, right? Sure. It's just like that this industry is sick. It's Burnt disgusting. Yeah. Right. You know, like I, that's more what. But he was like that in Vancouver. Like, what was his excuse in <laughs> Vancouver? Well, no, I mean, Bob Fosse certainly is a complicated human being. Yeah. There's no question. Um, But like, I, I don't, I don't, I don't see a lot of sympathy, but no, I, I know what you're saying, Julie. It's like, it is fascinating but very dark that he portrait is of an incel as a who cares man. right he goes deep into this research process mm -hmm. right he gets all the police reports he gets taped interviews and like access to the house where she was murdered and raped well he breaks into that house uh yes which uh which we'll we'll get to which uh, is intense uh he gets does killing of a unicorn is that published after the movie comes out yeah because yes. that movie is right, part, that's his that book response. is partly Bogdanovich being like i'm gonna yep. set the record straight which yep. also nobody needed like, no quiet mm -hmm. no you, you be quiet as well agree sir. no and, and have you read that julie I've read the Village Voice article that okay. the film was based on. The, the Bogdanovich book is well, perhaps the most upsetting piece of art I've ever come across. What about the film that he made that was shelved and bought the, back? Uh, and big, uh, they uh, all and, laughed. Is yes. that what it's called? Have yeah. you seen that? I have seen that, yeah. And I've seen Galaxina, which is the sci-fi movie they don't really cover in this. I haven't seen the horror movie. Yeah, Which, I haven't seen the Fantasy Island she guest starred. You know right, what I mean? Like, right. Right. No, there are like two significant film roles before the Bogdanovich movie. They all laughed. I know a lot of people defend. That's what it's called, yes. Yes. That's like seen as sort of like, right, a cult It's classic. been reclaimed. I, I feel, just watching it, it's not even like I'm making an intellectual judgment. Emotionally, I just, the thing feels so haunted to me right. that mm -hmm. I cannot enjoy Especially it. Especially that he tried to... Like Valley of recreate the it and yeah, yeah, you know, like bring right. it out and like retitle it or whatever, you know, like d right. do the thing where he, he kept bought the phone it. back from the studio because they didn't want to release Wasted it because all his she money had been murdered it. and he, yeah, bankrupted himself trying to self-release it. I find that too haunting. The Bogdanovich book is is an even more extreme version of what you're talking about. It's like, do you not understand that I'm the real victim of this? I understood her Absolutely. better than anyone else. Absolutely. Yes, the big I mean, that guy's and, and a nightmare. The, the other thing about it that's just uh, horrifying is he, the way he keeps on speaking about her, when it was like they were together for 10 weeks or something, it was like he was the only person who truly understood her. We saved her. Right. He saved her. 
unsuccessfully saved her. Right. This whole thing where it's like, you, you, right. But he has this complex that he saved her, even though you know, directly leads to her death. And then the other thing is he speaks about her like she's his daughter and he is proud of how smart she was. When he would introduce her to friends and he would make her read books and he'd be like, see, she got it. All yes. these relationships mm-hmm. of his so creepy. Like, creepy. You know, you know. And I don't want to judge him for marrying her her sister. I, I That's absolutely his business. I, I just don't like that we're focused on the men around her. And, absolutely. Yes. Absolutely. Yes. But it's this is the syndrome of these these beautiful women, mm-hmm. and they become these icons where we don't know anything about them. They die, right. you know, and they just they turn. They were into murdered these, when like, they were still beautiful. The, these angels with halos around them, where we just see pictures of them. And you're like, oh, and then you get like weird legends around them. All that shit. That's clearly what's going on here. Bob Fosse writes a script, passes it to Patty Shiaevsky, being like, "Can you punch this up?" Patty Shiaevsky says, "It's fine. You don't. It's perfect. No, no, don't touch it." Yeah. But when he really, Shiaevsky, and then he puts on gloves and stuff. <laughs> goes into a fucking well, chemical bath. <laughs> Patty Shaevsky had just worked on Altered States, which is sure. his last movie, which he hates the director so much. He mm-hmm. hates how it ends up that he takes his name off the movie. And then he dies yeah. in 1981 of cancer. So like he, that casts this weird Paul over things. I feel like he's gone now. A weirder right? Paul than Paul Snyder. Uh, maybe, maybe, maybe a Arguably. weirder Paul than Paul we Snyder. To, yeah. Paul Snyder's so running that there's a million guys like that. At Patty Shiaevsky's funeral, Fosse famously dances, said he had promised him if that he died, if Patty died first, he would do his yeah. last public appearance as a dancer at his funeral. Yeah. Apparently he danced for 30 seconds about it. 30 seconds. There was nothing funny about it. Bob made it totally appropriate. That's E.L. Doctorow. Wow. Said that. It's, anyway. it's like, for my money, the most touching moment in the Fosse Verdon series, which you were in. Yes. Yes. As, as one of the, the, for less uh, women. Yes. That, uh, assaulted him sexually when he was a young man. Yeah. Uh, Was that fun to make? Yes. I was very honored to be involved with it. Did that come about from your love of Fosse? Yes. And and Thomas, uh, Tommy Kale and and Lynn were very kind in um, welcoming me to the set, not just for my role, but when they filmed the All That Jazz um, moment and Fosse's daughter was in the audience and Lynn and Lynn got to do the run and then Sam Rockwell got to do the run and then Tommy Kale got to do the run in the audience. And I, I was very honored to be um, a part of that. That's so cool. With Nicole there. Yeah. It was very cool. Yeah. Temple University is ranked among the top 50 public universities in the U.S. Through hands-on learning opportunities and world-class faculty, Temple students are prepared to soar in their careers. Schedule a campus tour today at admissions.temple.edu visit. Oh, 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 O'Reilly. You need parts? O'Reilly Auto Parts has parts. Need them fast? We've got fast. No matter what you need, we have thousands of professional parts people doing their part to make sure you have it. Product availability. Just one part that makes O'Reilly stand apart. The professional parts people. Oh, 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 O'Reilly Auto Parts. This movie is not commercially appealing, obviously. This pro- this is not an interesting project. But Alan Ladd Jr., yeah. crazy old Alan Ladd Jr., right. o- over at the Ladd Company, uh, which is at this point at Warner Brothers, gives him an $11 million budget, gives him a $1 million salary to direct, mm-hmm. Bossy's highest ever, and gives him final cut. Yeah, It's just these days where Alan Ladd was just sort of like, well, you're an artist. Like, well, and Ladd had also just do. saved all that jazz and that fucking paid off beautifully for him. 
So I, you do understand him being like to fucking blank check says whatever. If he wants to do it, he'll fucking make it work. Which all, all those guys always cite Alan Ladd as like the last of a breed who would just believe in a filmmaker that much. The end of the seventies. Yeah, yeah, he was the last guy standing from that whole era. Yeah, they have to agree to not use Peter Bogdanovich's name, not okay. to use Dorothy's mother's name. Right, right. You know She's they they're credited about as these... Dorothy's mother. They never say her name. Correct. Right. Um, and then they start they shooting. Change, the, they change the siblings' names too. Sure, right. Uh, then they start shooting the movie, and guess what? Bob Fosse was really annoying the whole time. It's like the research every single time. It's like, yeah, and he was this kind of like crazy tyrant who was very difficult to work with. And yes, he made the location scout break into the murder home without a permit, and uh, you know, take pictures and like make sure that they have like the carpet exactly the same and everything, right? Like you know, like. This like detailed recreation of the crime scenes. Very, be, very creepy. To be fair, the Village Voice article, which I think is a very well written article, described their like I think at one point she, he she mentions that her body was uncharacteristically in rigor mortis instead of, you know, <laughs> just kind of like translucent and reclining and all, you know, all of her. So I I I don't completely blame him for being interested in that yes. detail of an article written by a woman mm -hmm. um but his attention to the detail of it and the sexual violence of it and combining the two in a you know levacious revolting way is i think unforgivable well it's the whole thing the the fossey thing he loves in all of the movies other than sweet charity where it's like i'm dealing with different temporalities i'm different dealing with different states of reality right you're right. sort of doing this right. like parallel editing between these different threads this movie you have the interview sort of superstructure that he loves so much, where I believe, once again, he is the pioneer of voice. When you see Lenny, you right. remember the first time I ever saw Chevy Chase being a young man thinking, oh, this is where this comes from. Right, right. You like Lenny? How do you feel about Lenny? The I think it's Lenny. a masterpiece. I think it could I think it could lose 45 minutes. I, think I agree with that. I agree. I love Lenny. We we were David and and Colin Quinn. I guess we're a little softer on Lenny. I mean, but I, I think it. Lenny is a pretty unimpeachable as a piece of filmmaking, even if it is forty five minutes. Gorgeous so long. looking movie. The fact that the superstructure he decides to do is, you know, running the story in chronological order, except for the flash forward at the beginning to the murder. This is the thing. So it's like you have her interviews with the press, you have her story running in real time but you pretty much fucking open the movie on the worst of it. Right. And so it's just looming over fucking yeah. everything. It's not even like, you you know what you're buying a ticket to. This is the inevitability of the sad place this movie ends, but you're like starting off with like, I'm watching the guy fucking like talking to himself, pacing back and forth after he's done it. Shot like, pornographically, in my opinion. I, I, I think, you know, Pauline Kale said about A Clark Before and she called it prurient, she said it was mm -hmm. pornography because it was trying to elicit something very specific out of a viewer. And she also sure. said that the only pain the viewer ever sees is Alex's in A Clockwork Orange. And I think that that's similar with this movie is I think the only sympathy that you see from the filmmaker is with Paul Snyder. And I, and I think that those opening scenes, like, why did he have to cut his push-ups and sit-ups on the beat like he was dancing? Right. It's, it's gross. It's the Fosse thing. It's the Fosse uh, thing. Yeah. 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 But it's I not mean, Paul Snyder doing his thing with on Broadway playing, is it? 
No, 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 no. no. But I there's mean, even the, I mean, what, the the whole Fosse isolation of the body parts thing, right? And his choreography. Whose which then body parts translated. are they? Well, well exactly. sure. I mean, this is the thing. Right. But like his, that whole technique of his, which then translates a film with the insert shots and the editing onto the specific parts and whatever. He's like reapplying it in this where like the scene where they go to the Playboy Mansion and he does it every time a guy runs his hand up a woman's back. And it's the same kind of thing of what you're talking Imagine about. Imagine that, like, you know, Dylan Klebold and Eric, what's his name, from Columbine, you know, cocking their guns in rhythm to, a, you know, a jazzy number and showing it in close-up. How dare you, how dare you artify this well, as this, though it is art? This is the question is about any violence. of these movies, right? Like, even about a movie like Schindler's List or whatever, it's like, can we point a camera at this? Like, can you make this something that's also entertaining? A, you like, you know, it's so hard. You can certainly point a camera at it, but I giving would. it a music video Sure. Feel. Well, that's what sure. you're talking about. Kale calls his bag of tricks, right? Like, the, you know, him resorting to his... Right, yeah, yeah. yeah his, right, his, his that, that he's making it all... Jazzy, but you wouldn't call it that if he were Jazzy. making cabaret or even you know, he, he had turned his attention yeah. to great artists. Yes, you know he had he had he had sort of canonized Lenny Bruce and himself, which you know sure. obviously is what it is. Right. Um, and you know Liza Minnelli, and now he is <laughs> you know really interested in this like disgusting low IQ murderer. Yeah, I yeah. mean, yeah. Well, I mean, this is my problem with the movie. Is like, I, I don't, I like Paul Snyder to me just seems like a problem. Like, I, yes, I can't yes, get yes. into yes. his headspace at all because there's no beginning with him. Like from the moment you he enters, right. you're just like, well, this is she should get as far away. And, from this and everyone as immediately clocks it. It's right. the thing that you know, everyone says absolutely. when they meet him, other than her. And even if right. the movie is an opening with her murder and isn't about the, the you know, you murder know. he carried, you're just right. sort of like, well, no, I mean, it's, like, it's get out. It yeah. doesn't even have the unpredictability of a, you know, of a driller killer or a, well, you right, know, that's or a joker where but you're that, like, right. it does feel like an exploitation movie. It is an exploitation movie. Right. You know, movie. like, and so that's how you then have to start engaging with it. But then. When did she die? 1980? Stratton? Yeah. Yeah. Right. And like This happened. The movie's very... Yeah, 1980. Short. This yeah. movie's only three years later. Like, yeah. I can only imagine how unsettling that must have felt in yeah. 1983. Just to me, this is, you know, a story. Like, I don't... Right. I was not alive when this happened. I mean, there was like, a Jamie Lee Curtis TV movie. There is. Movie. Yeah, no, there had already been a TV movie, which I imagine is less you know, garish simply because it was a television movie. We right? can't like see your tits. It's, 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 and it's yes. probably just a lot. Less, yes. You know. And I, and I think it's a little bit more of sort of just like the, the Dorothy Stratton life story. Right. Whereas, and, and the, um, killing of a, of a playmate is sort of death of a playmate. The Peter death of a playmate. It's death of a playmate killing of a unicorn. Correct. Right. I keep on getting the two tiles confused. Yes. The, the original article, Mm-hmm. Is so much about like the the differing viewpoints of the thing, right? I think it is an investigation into this. Uh, I don't even like to say the word toxic because it sounds so yeah. trendy, but no, but this you're violent right. relationship. Yes, yes, but yeah. also and also just the weird culture of Playboy and the mansion and all Certainly, that. You Certainly, know, like yes, all, but also all the, of that. There were these three different unhealthy relationships in her life that took different forms. Different. And let's add Fosse as the fourth. Well, Fosse then, right, when he acquires the article, yes, becomes the fourth. Absolutely. You know? it, that, that even in her death, there was this weird obsession thing. With, yeah. her, with her fucking tits, which I saw more in this movie than anything in her head. There's also, well, yes, there's also the thing of just like all these people go like, you don't understand. 
she had this star. She was going to be Judy Holiday. She was going yeah. to be sure, right, Carol right. Lombard, right. right? Okay. And it is this thing where I'm just like, well, first of all, look, we never got a chance to find out, right? She was someone with no acting background who got put in three movies and then was murdered senselessly. So, like, there's, there's not really... And there, she seemed like she was a kind person. She seemed like she was a kind person, but whenever anyone talked about her, it just felt like, God, you are projecting so much onto a child. You know, it's the thing I find so sort of uh, upsetting about this entire story is that she was just this figure that everyone looked at and they were just like, have you seen anything like this before? Mm -hmm. And part of it even, I think what this movie does get at well is that so much of what people are reacting to and going like, holy shit, this girl's a star is her like naivete, mm -hmm. her like sort of like, oh, geez, sorry. Yep. Like the thing she doesn't know and the like child. her embarrassing. She's a child. The mind of a child and the She's... body of a beautiful young woman. Right. Right. And people are like, this is unbelievable. How you is this You will possible? never reconcile these two realities. Like, right. I tell you, your mind's going to explode. You're, you won't believe this fucking person. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it's called a 19-year-old. Right. And I, that's, that's the thing. When I like watch real interviews with her or watch her in these movies, I'm like, that's a 19-year-old who maybe would have gone on to become an interesting performer. Mm -hmm. but, uh, sure. It's like... Sharon Tate as well. I mean, Sharon Tate hadn't been in more movies, yeah. but there's also people get obsessed with the sort of like, oh, but what if? Like, mm -hmm. oh, it was just beginning for her, and there's a whole career that didn't. But also, happen. all those guys weren't saying what if they were like it was there. Sure, yeah. I mean, yeah. Well, the I mean, thing was there. Beauty, you know? beauty is very beguiling, and, yeah. and beauty and dying in insane circumstances. Though. Yeah, like you know, like it'll it'll you're just like well, no. But here's this the thing: is... I, I keep going back to these are not insane circumstances. Happens to women every day. It's very complicated. They're it's murdered. Very they're murdered it, by the men who feel rejected and cannot handle. That. The circumstances are not insane. Her like you the know, Manson the, murders were kind of in, were insane. Those, yeah, those, <laughs> those were insane. insane. Those but, were insane. Uh, the circumstances are definitely insane. But the media circus around it is, although you know, we Absolutely. can talk about you know white women syndrome, you know, like white victim, you know, like the, yes. the, the thing that obviously the media loves to glom onto that kind of a story. Dead blondes. And like yeah. I remember when I worked at People Magazine uh, a zillion years ago when I was a baby, and I would like comb through European news looking for stories to suggest to people. Like, you could just tell them salivating whenever it yeah. was some kind of, like, young woman murdered, like, in, in weird circumstances in Europe. You know, the, and people would just immediately just be like, oh, well, we know what that is. Well, like, we're we know also, how to that we're is. at, like, once again, culturally at an all-time high of being obsessed with these stories and endlessly adapting these stories. Like, all these stories are not only being adapted again, but they're being adapted as, like, fucking 10-hour podcasts and TV well, shows. Sure. Like, right. drawn out, stretched out with what, what I think often feels like a very uh, performative empathy. Yeah, and right. I, I don't it, listen to those things, but I know right. they're, right, they're all it, out there, right? But it's, a, it's a, a conversation I feel like we keep on having of sort of just, like, is this whole thing fucked up? Do we keep on turning this into entertainment to... Tell ourselves, God, I'm so invested in the tragedy of this person and these people. But think about the people who actually had to live through this, continue to live through this. The, the way that the narrative is being rewritten by people with other interests, you know? It's, it's, a, it's, a, it's a complicated, complicated fucking thing. I think the reason I find this film powerful, and I'm choosing that word specifically, because it's like the movie undeniably has this power to it whether it's a really ugly, harmful, evil power or, or, or not is, you know, a debate. But, like, I feel like this is one of the only sort of true crime movies, if I can call it that, mm -hmm. that feels somewhat cognizant of how 
uh, ugly and fucked up the entire cycle of the thing is. Now, it's it's the Fosse thing where it's like this guy fucking hates himself. He knows he's a piece of shit, right? All these movies are about how he feels unlovable. Right. It's about him. Disgusting. It's right. about him. He's pouring at least some part of himself into these stories. Yes. Yeah. Right. And I think the thing that always has made Fosse interesting to me as a filmmaker is unlike a lot of other people who do this, where at the end they want you to find them a little bit cute or forgive them or let themselves off the hook, right? Fosse wants to kill himself by the end of the movie. Like he really is just like, and now I've, I've explained all my sins to you. Please let me die. Please, please let me die. I want no forgiveness, right? I think this is a movie that is somewhat, even if not consciously, and I agree with everything you're saying of what is deeply fucked up about the existence of this movie, about the way he chooses to depict the story, you know, the the methods through which he went to adapting this story, all of that. I think this movie is somewhat, even unconsciously, in conversation with the fact that the very act of trying to do this is fucked up. And that everything surrounding this entire... Of making this. Yeah, like, the, just the whole thing is evil from the get-go. That every person's reaction to this girl is evil, you know? That everything is well, wrong. And, and as she rises in Hollywood, there's no escape from the evil. It's just new layers of whatever. Like, the industry is, you know, going to crush her or manipulate her or destroy her right. in some way or another way. You know, like And there's, you have this final no, line in the interview where it's like, what's no it like? Saviors. And she's like, you go to the airport and people come up to you. And it's, like, sweet, but it's so depressing because you're, like, she didn't really ever care about any of this. At the end of the day, it was his pursuit of, don't you understand, fame's important, money's important, all this sort of shit, right? right. The final scene where she tries to, like, end the marriage, she's, like, I'll give you $7,000, half of what I have. And you're, like, she has $14,000 for how much they've been putting her through the fucking ringer. Right. Which and may or may not be historically accurate, sure. but, but in the, in the story, yes. Right. But even sort of the idea. She said, that. let's go back home. Yeah. yeah. But, but we all know people like this where it's like, you're in showbiz, you're working constantly, and you're like, they actually haven't gotten paid. They're just being put on the fucking factory line sure. for like five years, and they're living out of a suitcase, and they're yeah, being pushed from like one thing the to the other. Like the Backstreet Boys getting ten dollars a day for their right. lunches or whatever, with right? Like playing to me. Well, she was living fans. with Bogdanovich at the time. At the, yes. By the yes. end, yes. Or like by the end of her life, yes, her short life. Bob Fosse wants Melanie Griffith. That's his first choice. Okay. He saw Body Double. He was jealous as hell. I bet. I mean, Body Double is right around. I'm trying to think. No, Body Double is the year later. So what is oh. Melanie Griffith? Uh, popping for him in uh, Night Moves. She is she is in Night Moves, and that's like the mid seventies, obviously. Yeah. Roar. Yeah, I don't. Body know. Double was after, huh? Yeah, Body Double's right after, and that of course is her but kind he of comeback. Have, right. God, he must have been so jealous of that. Yeah, yeah, because well, that's right. That's the, the sort of like Hollywood purient. This is a horrible place, but it's right. also like a fun, watchable, There's a point to crazy that movie, movie yes. with a point of view. Sure, yes, okay. But but like I mean, Fosse, for better or worse, I don't think could view things as pulp. He was just like, this is miserable and we have to sit in this misery. Melanie Griffith, not to just invoke more darkness, but also like when Melanie Griffith is 16 years old, she's married to Don Johnson, he does a Playboy shoot of her as like a teenage girl. Yeah, she's some, she's a teenager. The parallels there are a little bit uncomfortable. Um, Obviously, Don John is not, Don John, Don Johnston, Johnson. Oh my God. Is not Paul Snyder, but there are weird parallels. Um, Mayor, uh, Don Mayor, John is also not <laughs> Paul Snyder, for the record. Don no. John just likes his body. And, <laughs> right. Don John, he likes his, what does he like? His, his girls, car, his gym, his, his whatever. Gym. 
Uh, Mariel Hemingway, as everyone knows, like I feel like that's the most famous thing about this movie, right? She like campaigned for the role. Yeah. She was like, I, it's, you know, it's got to be me. She eventually gets herself in front of Fosse. Fosse's like, you're not a voluptuous person. She famously got a boob job. Yeah. She's always said like, oh, it wasn't for the movie or anything like that. You know, whatever. Do with that what you will. That's, they're on, that's, her, bre- her bare breasts are on screen more than her point of view. She, yes. she is nude that in the film quite often. Bob Fosse tries to sleep with her the entire time he's making the movie, which seems to be the Bob Fosse okay. experience, basically. Don't do it. Um, although they did not get together at all. She rebuffed yeah. him. Um, but she says that he was essentially constantly an emotional pest. Yes. Ben's like, why are we doing We're this? We're all just he, collapsing here. He's like directing her in yeah. a scene yes. where a director is manipulating her right. into having sex right. with and him. Hugh, did Hugh have to rape her in the jacuzzi is a question. And yeah. Uh, right, that's part of it, right. Which they don't get to in this yeah. way because they're afraid of Hefner, like, right. you know, suing them as well, I think. Hefner's really minimized in this story. I think, yeah. or, I think he's deified. Yes. Yeah, it's true. He is basically just like a talking head god man who comes in. Yeah. Right. It's weird to see him not shriveled up. That's how I've always known him. It's as like a weird little though. old raisin. Yeah, man. yeah. Yeah, just desiccated by the time I was a kid. Oh, like, yeah. yeah. Yeah, and you were just like, oh, it's just like just this some creepy weird, old man who's there. Old, right. Even yeah. on Playboy Sex After Dark, guy. he was a right. troll. Yeah. Um, like, put pants on, guys. The studio wants Richard Gere. And this is after American Gigolo, I think. Okay. Right. You know, Richard Gere is like a a, a major heart problem yeah, at this yeah, point. Yeah. Fosse wants Robert De Niro. You mentioned Pupkin. Yep, he would have been uh-huh. better. Probably understands like this guy can do, can go places, right? You know, and can, King of Comedy has happened at this point, right? Because yeah, King of Comedy is 80, 81? right? Uh, 82. Sorry. 82. Okay. So not yet. No, it has happened because this movie is 80, but maybe not. Maybe it hasn't come out yet. This is all very close because sure. this movie yeah. comes out in 83. Pumpkin, the better choice for him if you're going to do one of these lonely mustachioed. But it's compensating for the lack of the writing. Ultimately, you're asking an sure. actor to do a job you didn't on the page, I think. Yeah. He, he asks Hemingway to try and, like, seduce Robert De Niro to, like, convince him of the role. Hemingway's like, no, thank you. And Hemingway, beyond that, says just, like, she perceived that, like, De Niro rebuffing Fosse. Fosse just took so hard. Like, this guy, yeah. is, you know, this Another guy is this great actor doesn't think Dorothy I'm anybody. Another Stratton story. Uh, yes. <laughs> when will they ever get a Maybe they will recover one day. Uh, and then they get Roberts into whatever he convinces yep. Eric Roberts to do it. But like you, like you said, Julie, like he has to convince him. I mean, like you know, I don't obviously. Eric Roberts wasn't that stupid. He he knew that taking this role was a bad idea. He certainly he was resistant was to it. Resistant and suspicious. I mean, mm. obviously, it is a meaty role. But yeah. like, I certainly would be like, no, there's no way anyone will be able to look at me after right. I like do a movie like this. Do a right? pass on the script, man. Don't like, don't Dirk Diglify me unless there's anything likable about me. It's Bob Fosse. He's made four movies. Three of them have been nominated for Best Picture. Like, you know, it the is. Script it is, needs work. Patty was wrong. There are notes. Well, Patty, you know, Patty said no notes. Have you seen the hospital? <laughs> <laughs> Patty was also probably saying, let me die. Yes, <laughs> Please do. Pass the corned beef sandwich. Yeah. Fosse's like, start talking like him, start dressing like him, you know, yeah. get into this guy's head and. I don't know. It seems creepy. Sam Shepard was the first choice for to play Hugh Hefner, which would be great. He makes a lot of sense, like as as a Hefner type. Yeah. And 
That doesn't happen. Fosse wants Harry Dean Stanton. Hugh Hefner was like, if you cast Harry Dean Stanton as me, I will not let you like use the Playboy like archives or the mansions or anything like that. So Cliff Robertson is the compromise. I, I, I mean, the Harry Dean Stanton too weird looking is my assumption. The, in the, Hugh Hefner's eyes. The problem is that in terms of screen energy, there's just something too fucking grandfatherly about uh, Cliff Robertson. Well, that, yeah, that's the notion is that he was the patriarch. He was the kind. Right. He's the like the Lorne, the Lorne Michaels dad. of the Playboy right. universe. Right, yes. And uh, they, sh- they, they shoot in Vancouver and Los Angeles. It's a horrible shoot. No one has a good time. No one had a good time making this movie? No, it's a huge bummer. It would be bad if they did. That's true. You know what? At least they saw. Right. Oh, yeah. yeah. It was a pleasant time. We were all eating yeah. croissants all day. No. Uh, in the middle of the shoot, Fosse calls Anne Ranking and says, I'm living in a world where no one wants to live. I'm living in this world. Now we got to get to this spot. We got to get to the murder. And I really don't want these people. I really like these people. I don't want to see them die. Sounds like Bob Fosse was kind of going insane making this movie. Yeah. And at one point, Cliff Robertson says, he turned to Cliff Robertson and he said, he's going to kill her and I don't know how to stop him. We have to do something. So that's the vibes. It's really, see, really like, yeah, nasty. You read that of, and it's confounding that he then chose to, I don't know what the fucking shooting order was, right? They but shot either, it in oh. sequence, basically. But would they have shot the murder stuff last. since that's wraparound? I, 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 think they shot, I think they shot that last. I That's, think they were like they had to break into that. that house. Well, yes. Re- but hearing that, I'm like, I'm surprised he didn't change his plans and go, you know what? Maybe we don't want to show this on screen in any way, even sort of fractured. Yeah. You didn't want to show the like BDSM bench he made to rape her anally after he'd already murdered her. Right. You don't want to show that right before the credits come up and dedicate it to Patty Chayefsky. Right. Why would party goers laugh at something like that? That doesn't seem like a chill or fun. Like, I would be concerned. Well, I would be worried. Yeah, this is... It's, it's, I suppose it's sort of the nervous, like, oh, laughter, right? I also, oh, yeah. I also yeah. think this is a the whole world is bad movie. Right, yeah. 100%. Everyone's yes, bad. Yes, evil world. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. No one liked Derek Roberts' vibes on the set. Oh, wow. People complained about him constantly. And it's one of those things where it's like, oh, is he too in the character or is he just Derek Roberts and he's a pain in the ass? Mariel Hemingway said, like, he was a totally nice guy until they started shooting and then he was like, like bad vibes everything about this as as our researcher said worst vibes on like research ever everything is bad robert says the whole thing made me sad i was pathetically unhappy the entire time and sven nyquist is shoots it like so it's fossey working with a great cinematographer but not someone he knows not his usual guy sure sure Uh, so he's bringing in this kind of european master right and as julie pointed out like they have this whole idea of like this sort of like rhythmic staccato musical like sort of worst soundtrack of ever yes so this is burns who big ha- shot two billy joel song one which is a cover from like a, a prom singer i believe right yeah. the other's big shot right right they do don't go change in the try please what's it what, uh, just the way you are dancing to and right prom. they do that at the prom and then they yeah they, and then, then there's shot. the what is that one is it sing 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 when he's like dun 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 which is oh, roller yeah. skating that yeah one. that song whatever that song is we all know that music but the list is uh insane and then it, what, what's his name ralph burns who did the score for this and had won yes. the oscar for the last two fossey movies right and essentially creates like two stings 
There's that. that well, then there's the creeping, like dread, right. you know. Right. Whenever score that of, that truly makes my skin crawl. Whenever that plays. Well, you know what it's leading to. You saw it sure. before the credits. Yeah. Well, yes, but also I I do think musically it is upsetting. Dread, Even if you yeah. isolate that, if you played this in this room right now, I'd start like scratching myself. I think this story doesn't deserve this bag of tricks. Up on Cripple Creek, I'm just looking at the uh, other weird things. Sookie, Sookie by Steppenwolf. Let the good times roll. Ah. Uh, do, uh, do you think, think I'm, I'm sexy? sexy by Rod Stewart? Yeah. YMCA. The worst. Just the way you are. Yeah. It's flush it down the toilet. Yeah. I, I almost jock jams adjacent. Yeah. They start screening this movie, and the test screenings go very poorly. Really? People walk out. Bob Fosse refuses to make any changes, thinking he has made his best film. Alan Ladd sees the film and is like, "Mm, this one's not going to be a hit. And it comes out. It's positioned for awards, right? Uh It comes out in limited release in November. And it gets mixed to bad reviews. Although there are some like Roger Ebert who Mm -hmm. liked it. Like, you know, there were some people who connected... With it, Hugh Hefner thought it was disgusting the way it linked sex to violence. Uh, he didn't like the intercutting of the photo sessions with the murder scene, things like that. Peter Bogdanovich obviously just like writes a whole poison pill book yeah. about how much he hated it. And uh, the movie comes out and is a huge flop and is despised. And Bobby Fosse doesn't make another movie. And yeah. then he dies. And it feels like this thing of like, like Lynn was on our All That Jazz episode. And... He was so excited and he was like, you know, God bless you on Star 80, though. I don't know how that's going to go. Like, it's just that he hadn't seen it. It's such a bum note to end on. Yes, he's never seen it. It it is fascinating to me that uh, you were talking about Bob Fosse being undersung as a director, right? Absolutely. And we announced that we were doing this miniseries, and I saw a lot of our fans and a lot of, let's say, the more. uh, sometimes the, the fans of ours who run more snobbish or film snobbish, right? Or film bros. Sure. Who think of him as... Well, no, this is what was interesting. A mm-hmm. lot of them were saying, this is so exciting. What a cool pick. Finally. Cool of them to pick someone off the beaten path. I've never seen any of these movies. What a good excuse to finally really? see them. Right, and that's what I was sort of surprised by was how many of these people were sort of saying, like, I know that's a blind spot. I, I appreciate that I'm now going to have an impetus to watch all these movies, right? But the people who had seen Fosse movies, even, most of them were like, obviously the one I haven't seen is Star 80 because I can't put myself through that. And then the smaller section of people who were Fosse fans had seen Star 80 were like, good luck. No idea how you fucking do an episode on that one. Mm-hmm. Uh, it does just feel like a movie that is still radioactive. Radioactive. Haunted. Yeah. I, I, Haunted. Yeah. I don't know. Right. I mean, there's the whole, obviously, like, it, there's, I, I don't even know how to touch this. But the, the Meryl Hemingway element of it as well. Mm. When you have like this and Manhattan on opposite sides of each other, right? And they're two movies that are essentially about the same basic phenomenon, but in very, very different ways. One that is very much romanticized and fictionalized and, you know, is still kind of like, is using the tricks of filmmaking to make people buy into something. Yeah, Manhattan, he is like selling you on like, no, right. this is what I should be doing. Right. I should I'm be dating you a teenager. I'm giving you fucking Gershwin and I'm giving yeah, you right, beautiful. Yeah, right, right. You're like, supposed to be right. swooning at the end she, of this. She actually decided at one point to go somewhere and do something in that movie. Right, and then right. the end of the movie is like, thank God she's not going to do that. She's going to hang out with Woody Allen. Like, it's right. great. But it, but it is fascinating to me that like that movie's existence is sort of about the same thing this movie is about. Mm-hmm. Thankfully, minus the murder, you old, know? Old guys being disgusting towards young, beautiful women. Right, just seeing a child and going like, I, I need to explain she, to everyone fascinating. why you're the most important thing in the world. 
And I feel like after this movie, her career just kind of goes nowhere. She doesn't make a movie for kind of a couple of years, and the movie she does make is called Creator. I don't right. Know them, you know. And then the Mean Season is that the is that the Peter O'Toole movie? Creator is the Peter O'Toole right. movie. Yeah. Does she do a run on Ellen? Doesn't she do like a 90 sitcom run? Roseanne? She oh, did a yes, couple episodes yes, on? Roseanne, yes. I mean, it's not like she disappeared from no. anything. I, from like, but, and, and she was in that, that TV show Civil Wars that was kind of a hit. Like, I think she got maybe like a Golden Globe nomination for it or something, you know, like in the early 90s. She is. But that's it, back when if you're a movie, movie actor going to TV, it's sort of like, oh, it's, it's a step down. It's, it's a concession. Seen as, right, right. right. She's made a couple documentaries now, right? I know she did a documentary about sort of the history of depression in her, her family, family and try, sort of trying to fight against suicide. suicide yeah. and, and which I, I heard is very good. It's called My Suicide? Maybe? I'm not sure. Uh, and, yeah. and, but she's also done um, movies about yoga and stuff, right? She's like very into all that world. And yeah. so that's what she's she a does. survivor running from crazy. That's, running from crazy. that's the Thank documentary you. about her. She her is. Family. She is. And by the way, when she does interviews today, she speaks about all of this work and this period of her life with a, a thankfully, you know, like, uh, thank God, a, a really kind of sound perspective. Feels like she has really processed a lot of it in the healthiest way possible. But it is one of those things to just be like, Jesus fucking Christ, for like six years, all this shit was thrown on me. And it was all okay. Yeah. Uh, and she's in that movie, Personal Best, in between Manhattan and Starry. Oh, that is sure. sort of like a landmark movie. Like That's kind of the, the one time she got to make like a real Mariel Hemingway movie. Yeah. Where like, she is the protagonist. It's not a perfect movie, but like yeah. it's like one of the first Hollywood movies to have a lesbian relationship in it. And it is that Robert Town? Yeah. Yeah. And right, it made right. her like a sort of LGBT icon. Yes. And she played like gay characters in various things. Because on Roseanne, I think, isn't yes. that the thing that her character was like kind of the first major recurring yes. lesbian character on, on primetime television, I think on Roseanne. Maybe my And she said it, but... like, I'm not gay, but I liked that I right. became this kind of like figure of, you know, whatever. Uh, but look, also, I mean, kind of makes sense that she, not to project, pivots in her career and is like, I no longer want my characters to be defined by how much men are obsessed with them. You know, that she's like, I will become a, uh, uh, an ally to the lesbian community. It, makes yeah, it can't be worse. Yeah. Yeah. I like Mariel Hemingway and everything I've ever seen her in, pretty much. I just yeah. haven't seen her in a lot of stuff. No. I've seen her in this and in Manhattan and probably saw those Roseanne episodes back in the day. But like, you know. And Personal Best is good. Yeah. Personal Best is good. I have seen Personal yeah. Best. Apparently she did some Becker. Becker's a good show. Julie Becker. What? Never seen it. Becker. Dancing. He's a mean My doctor. My Star 80. That Lynn hasn't seen Star 80. I haven't seen Becker. You haven't You'll seen have Becker. You'll have to make sense of it. It's the only jewel in the dancing crown. You haven't. I do feel like Becker is one of those shows where if there was a streaming deal tomorrow and all of Becker went up on Amazon Freebie or some shit. The world would be healed. The world would be healed and we would just get all these vulture think pieces of like rediscovering Becker, the I'm, greatest. I'm ready. Is Becker the high point of American television? I just feel like I'm not saying this from from experience. Wow, Becker is truly hard to stream. This is what I'm saying. Yeah, there's there's a couple seasons on Pluto TV. That's it. But in my mind's eye, when I think back to the handful of Becker episodes I've seen, when I replay them in my head, I'm like, if I watched that today, I would maybe argue to give that a peabody. Yeah, Becker rules. Yeah. Wait, I'm sorry. I watched Becker. It was congratulations. Good. I'm pro Becker. Yeah. I'm not being ironic here. I'm not either. He was I'm a Bronx like... doctor. He was grumpy. Right. He would go to a diner. That was the show. Yeah. That was it. That was the whole show. Shawnee Smith? Who's that? 
She was on Becker. Oh, Shawnee Smith. That's yeah. why you said Johnny Smith. No. Yeah, Shawnee Smith. Right. Alex Farrell from, uh, Terry Farrell from Star Trek. Yeah. Alex Dessert. Yes. From Swingers. Yes. Becker. Becker. Anyway, back to story. Wow, there's no energy for Becker in this room. I'm sorry. I'm, I'm sorry. giving you energy. I think you have a lot of energy. I want to rewatch Becker. Uh, well, you can't. You'd have to buy the DVDs, I think. You'd have to buy the Has it even sets. been released on DVD? I, think I don't has. know what I, it has. I think, I think you can get some Becker DVDs. Is um, there a Shout Factory complete Becker? Yes. $37. For the whole? We, we can't talk about Becker okay, anymore. I'm sorry. Thank she's, you. She's stopping it. Five seasons. I'm shutting it down. $37. I appreciate it. I'll place an order. Well, okay. So back to Star 80, Ben. What did you think of Star 80? Yeah, ben. Stinks! <laughs> Hated it. Bum me out. <laughs> Watched it this morning. It's the worst day to start your day. Not a great way to start no. your day. Yeah. Fuck. Yeah, Julie. Had okay, you... wait. I do have one major thought, though. Okay. Sorry. Stabbing someone in the butt as revenge. With? A little ass knife. Nope. At what? the prom. The filing end of a nail clipper. Oh, that's what it it's was? It's an incredibly bizarre movie. Yeah, yeah. it's so weird and specific. Yeah. Yes. Uh, that was fun. Okay, that's a sure. that's a standout moment. This it's a is major... when he takes her to prom, and yes. she had mentioned that a football player was lousy to her, and right. said she was bad as Um, yeah, and he does that, and you're like, get away from this person. I mean, yeah. that's just what I'm thinking the entire time. Yeah, yeah, no, uh, Julie. Like, how many times have you seen Star? Like, this was, this... was only my twice. This right. was my like, second how time. How often are you going to revisit this movie? Yes. Did you see it the first time when it was at the quad? Was yes. That... Yeah. Yes. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. I yeah. did, and it was just heartbreaking to see one of your favorite painters decide to you know spend their last years working on this you know beautiful portrait of like john wayne gacy well it's also like and i and wow I, you really got his eyes right really got that blue i mean <laughs> i i pretty much agree with all of your criticisms on yes. this movie and as far as it being powerful i would just add so is pornography it's and so true. is the zapruder footage very, no very 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 true. But is it a great film? I don't know. I don't know. I, I mean, I am, I, I constantly wrestle with it. The first time I watched it, I was just so fucking affected by it. And there is the sort of, it just, the Fosse construction I am so in love with. Like, I do like the way he thought about film. You know? It was a, I, I think that the issue, it, especially it's what you're saying, used to what ends. Right, and like, right. I think when you think about the written and direct, I, I think that so yeah. much of what is horrible about this is in the writing because we know he could make a beauty. I mean, and right. then you think about, you know, Mr. Arthur contributing and all that jazz and yes. having another and him respecting writers, but not necessarily being the one to have that auteur credit when he, I, I don't think he was capable of, a, I, a, you know, I, I agree with that. I, I, I think this one was much better directed than it is written. And, and it's the only movie he has the, yeah. the writer director credit, you know, like he wrote all that jazz, like you said, you know, he co-wrote, but yeah, this is the only written and directed by Bob Fosse also, movie. Just like, not to be pat about it. This movie probably shouldn't have been written by a man. Like it's what you're saying, but just there's no sort of uh, a glimpse into her point of view, her interiority, any of that. It's just a He's thing. American that I Psycho has two female voices behind it and yes. is therefore yes, yes. such an insightful and even funny critique of like, I mean, it, it's, almost, it's, it's almost like the, 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 you know, reductress version of um, body double in a way. That's, that's the perfect <laughs> example, but it's, it, it's. It's a similar thing where for so long people were like, you can't fucking make the American Psycho movie. That's 
irresponsible, unfilmable. Mm-hmm. Right? right. Like, How can you put we, that on it, screen? It is. It, it, it's. It's. If you drag Brady Ellis across the coals, it's actually really fun. Right. Yeah. It's actually a lot of. We got. We got the rights to a story, and and we made him look like an asshole. Right. That's a win-win. Right. But you think about how close we came to getting like. Oliver Stone, DiCaprio, uh-huh. American Psycho, and what mm-hmm. a fucking nightmare that would have been. And I think it would have been somewhat similar fr- to and, this. Yeah, yeah, and and frankly, at least you know, at, at least Patrick Bateman was on the movie poster. We have you know the victim, the and I don't even want the 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 victim. We have the we get to still jerk off to her gauzy beauty. Right. The poster is essentially just it, a pinup. It's a, it's her absolutely. biting a flower. Yeah. Absolutely. We don't. Even though it's about, it's not about her, but we still get you're selling to the sex. User, I, yeah, I mean, yeah, I know what you're saying. Yeah, I, I remember. I think it was the Onion last week when Roe v. Wade was overturned, saying mm-hmm. that women are classified as service animals now sure. by the Supreme Court. And I, I do think that they. I mean, it's funny because they're called playmates in the Playboy world. They're called pets in Penthouse. Right. I think that that is absolutely. You know, they are a source of uh, decorative pleasure you know you you see the other women in Hugh Hefner's world playing pinball at like two in the afternoon you know having like a catered lunch there's joking about their diets Um, it it, it is like it's like pets it's people who have like show dogs there's the moment where she you know um, puts the check down wrong or whatever and then she's like oh I'm not supposed to do that way and then she does does the 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 bunny bunny dip dip. yes right yeah yeah and he uh is you know Hugh Hefner is benevolent in offering her an apartment and a job at one of the clubs. And right. we see people act towards her the way that Paul Snyder had acted towards his, you know, car show models. And um, I I don't believe Fosse is so insincere at wanting to expose sexism because he makes it so sexy. Sure. That it, I I get, I'm I'm just, I'm sick to my stomach not, uh, mentally, but just physically, and it's sort of this is an appalling, what a bummer of a movie. And yeah. I think it is reacting to the fact that, like, your sympathy with her is like, gosh, isn't it awful? Someone really killed this Bijan Frise. I I think there's this thing of, I mean, the whole thing of. Paul Did you hear the story? They killed this Bijan Frise. Really? Who? What was he like? <laughs> well, sure, sure. I think there's this whole thing that's interesting about Fosse making this film essentially when he feels like he's on borrowed time, right? And a lot of people who have sort of an extra chapter to their life that they did not think they were going to have talk about it with a certain sense of uh, uh, enlightenment. Uh, reflecting on his own life, you mean? I'm not talking about with Fosse, right? Oh, I see. I mean, I'm going to go on a, a quick side tangent here, but I, I just have no better way to say this because oh I'm done with the one thing I'm going to say, okay? What is it? George Lucas talk show. Uh, the pandemic, uh, we got hyper fixated on our list and then started this thing where every week we'd watch an entire season of our list and we'd get people from our list and Robert Wool right. would come on the stream with us and stay on for like two hours. And I've, uh, I spent more time talking to Robert Wool during the pan- first year of the pandemic than my parents probably right. only ever as Watto. Uh, it was a very, very bizarre relationship where I felt like, uh, you know, th- some weird attachment, uh, without ever having a conversation with him as myself. Uh, and, uh, then, uh, uh, last year I had my fucking health problems and, uh, I need my gallbladder taken out and then there were problems with my, uh, liver and the yeah, surgery was delayed yeah, yeah, yeah. and I was right. fucking suffering. And my friends 
uh, when I finally got my surgery, as a, as a joke, as a present, but a kind of a bit, they paid to get a cameo from Robert Wall. Mm-hmm. And I was sure. like, this is the last thing I need right now. Right. Right. The, the I, only, I've gotten the full Robert the, Wool experience. The only thing yeah. I've had an abundance of in the last yeah. 18 <laughs> year, months of my life is yeah. uh, conversations with Robert Wool over a screen. Yeah. Right? Yeah. Right. But Robert Wool leaves this video for me. And not that he should, but I realized the second I start watching it, oh, he doesn't know who I am. I've never spoken to him outside of the fucking Right. Program. He gets a, a cameo request for yeah, Griffin Newman. That means nothing yeah. to him, right? Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. And he goes, hey, your friends, you know, they said you have minor surgery. Isn't it funny? They always, if it's, if it's you, they say it's minor surgery. If, if, if they have surgery, it's major surgery. He's making his jokes, whatever, right? Sure. Like, I'm like, this is sweet. This is fine. Why the fuck did you pay for this? Robert, what? I yeah, give him. it to charity. Right, exactly. And then he said this thing that really stuck with me, right? Okay. He's like, you know, I, I, I was friends with Glenn Frey of the Eagles. It was sure. really good friends with me. He had a really, really bad heart attack. Famously he was, chill guy. Almost yeah. died. Uh-huh. Right? Right. And he comes back and I said, how do you feel now, Glenn? You got, you got this extra time. And he said, Bobby, I'm going to live so well. Okay. I'm going to live so well. I thought I was enjoying life now, but I realized how close I came to losing it. And I'm just going to live so well, man. I'm just going to really, really enjoy my life. Mm-hmm. And Bob Fosse seems to have done the exact opposite thing. Yes. After a near-death experience where he's like, what the fuck am I still doing well, here? Well, yeah. He totally the... soured. Sure. And, like, shriveled. And this movie, like, is made in hell. Yeah, Right? Like, it's like he's already dead. Right. And there was, yes. you saying, like, what a shame for him to, like, take this poison pill and end his career on this horrible note. And it's almost like he didn't know anything other than to just wallow in, like, not just yeah, it doesn't change who you are if you're having a death scare it's not going to change your personality no or, no, yeah. no absolutely not but but it was almost like he resented that he was still alive that, it wasn't like he gained any sense of appreciation it comes up with Fosse over and over again yeah. where it's like he has this right near death experience and he maybe for a month is like well I'm going to try and live healthier and I'm going to try and not behave right. the way I behave and then like a month later he's like smoking cigarettes until they're burning in his mouth mm-hmm. and squeezing every nurse's ass and like you know mm-hmm. he's like he's like I cannot escape myself you know whether or not that is like he could have escaped himself. Sure. I have no idea, but certainly that is his opinion of himself. He's but like, I'm stuck in Bob forever. Like ticket to just, I I just I think it's. Oh, just I'm not a, saying any yeah. of this as a defense. Oh, I'm no, just no, trying no, to I know. I'm thinking about him. Ends up his here. his yeah. the, him writing his own story. Yeah, is saying, well, I had this you know extra life that mm-hmm. was granted to me. It's just always all about him. Yeah, it's just oh, and and and. Maybe use this opportunity to like get to know like half of the population as human beings and sure. instead of, you know, oh, here we go, more grab ass. It's like maybe talk to, I don't know. It, it, the, the lack of sympathy for any female character in this is, is just but really, really shocking. It's like you say, he has sympathy for her, but as this object that's like cursed. The possession, or whatever, yes. you know, and sociopaths like, like they're. It's, um, like like Trump with his daughter, hundred percent, yeah. or or yes. his, like it's it's like they're his um assets, belongings, possessions, you know, things, status symbols. And then the thing I said about like him turning to Cliff Robertson and being like, "Somebody do something," where it's like, "Why are you recreating this like inevitable like horrible right. thing in front of your eyes and then being horrified by it again?" Like, and look, there's something about this. That recurs in culture forever. We like you said about true crime podcasts, but like, right? Just we 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 are certainly, or a slice of us are certainly, completely transfixed by victims. 
Yeah. And like, you know, we we do deify them into these like well, so like, creepy uh, ways. Robert Greene's uh, great movie Kate plays Christine. Yeah. Is like a really Not fascinating a real, sort like, of meta watching that one. Not the car one. Not Correct. the car one. Correct. Right. No, like a very difficult watch, but right. it is a movie about an actor trying to play a, a tragic, you uh, know, a person, person who killed herself. Right. On, on right. News. And it, you do sort of get into this whole thing of like, why are we compelled to these stories? Why do people feel like telling these stories is the ultimate height of like artistic achievement? If you can reclaim these profound tragedies, if you're an actor and you get to play the role of the victim or the, the culprit or whatever the fuck it is. Why are we so obsessed with these? And and the whole added thing that comes up with like uh, now I think in particular with the true crime podcast where people want to like solve them, right. you know, where it becomes an activity well, for well, listeners or, or right. finding finding meaning yeah. and applying well, the meaning thing. storytelling yes. right um, tropes to things that are chaos right. Well, this happened because you know Sharon Tate was murdered because it was the end of the sixties. Like, yes, well, okay, right, yeah, right, we could right. we could say that. Sure, sure. We, we it becomes part of a legendarium rather right. than yeah being this weird. Incident. Like she was a yes. human being, and her preference would have been to stay alive. Right. She did not want to be a symbol, an interesting like fucking chapter. Mm-hmm. Right. We could make sense of it culturally, and yeah. that's our. You know that 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 is our how our brains work is to try to we make need sense to turn of things into these narratives. Chaos. Right. Yes. Um, but I ultimately think it comes down to like it got my dick hard and um, my brain was firing in a really interesting way because as a narcissist, I see myself in these men and some of them are successful and some aren't. And they uh, are. And isn't that interesting? And that ultimately and he thinks is what, so yeah. negatively of himself or whatever. Right. He sees this man. And he's like, well, this is could this be me if I don't get a big break? Am I this guy? Like and he finds that. And interesting. And that's the, really interesting to him. Yeah. The, the other problem for me is that, like, they have to sand off Hefner and Bogdanovich so much, right? Hefner for fear of legal reasons and Bogdanovich into a character that basically doesn't resemble. And the it's bro just, code, yes. Right, right. That that you're really just hyperfixating on this one toxic relationship she had in a way that, like, the the killing of a playmate has, like, it's it's at least looking at the eco the, the various more people who thoroughly. controlled her in various right. ways. Yes, sure. right, and that and that Playboy was sort of an acceptable. What would you call that in today's um, sort of content generating hub? Mm-hmm. Right. right, that like Playboy was sort but, of its own studio. That it was, had, yeah, and it also was like one of those systems. Like I had that joke about the Backstreet Boys. That is a real fact. They got ten bucks a day. For, right, right. You know, like. Where it's sort of like, well, you're a Playboy bunny, so enjoy that. You don't really have any freedom. You're not yeah. really going to make money, but you're safe here, like right, you know. And well, it's, it's sort of like you're like, in what, our system. What is different between what Hefner was offering her and what Paul Snyder was offering her in his services as quote unquote a manager, right? Right, not murdering her. Well, yes, yes but I'm talking yes. only before we get to that. A point. better deal. A better deal. Thank you. Say. That's yeah. the right. thing. It's like there's a veneer of respectability. This is a system and a pipeline that yeah. at this point, there's like 20 years in, we have accepted. He was a better manager. Right. Yeah. Yes. And, and partially because of his fucking Playboy After Dark shit and whatever. It's like, but you're right. Look at partially me, because he has a reputation. He's like, well, Hugh Hefner, he knows. I loosen the cultural norm. introduce norms. you to an agent and right. he will get you on perhaps. But it's love the same boat. thing. It's, yes. a, it's a kept woman thing. Right. But it's, 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 it's a breed. It's breeding. Um, you know, animals as pets that and, are and really beautiful. At yeah. no point is anyone ever asking her what she wants to do. 
right? Do you ever get a sense of what she enjoys or doesn't? It is the thing I, to go back to, I find so haunting about that final line where her only answer is like, I guess it's nice when people come up to you mm-hmm. at the airport. Yeah, it's nice to be loved and it's right. nice to have attention from people that right. think you're beautiful and are friendly and- Which is the basic thing. Appreciate she was, you, yes. A, a 16-year-old girl who had not found any confidence in herself. Yeah, that's something. That's like, let's let's keep going. Let's brainstorm yeah. on Dorothy Stratton's character for a day. Yes, yes, yeah. Because- this is the final Bafasi episode. Mm-hmm. And in a, in a very different form than uh, our episode on The Ward, which is not as toxic a film, but sure, is a but film that is a bummer a on a career. Right. Which, wait, on, on what? The Ward is John, John Carpenter's, Carpenter's the last oh, movie, oh, which I is see. kind of a nothing okay. movie yeah, that sure. finishes his career with, yeah. Unless he wants to make another movie, obviously. He is we'll still see. alive, right? Yes, he is still alive. I, I just, one of the reasons we asked you to uh, come on this, uh, A, because I, I didn't know what your opinions were, but I knew you had strong opinions on this movie and opinions on Fosse at large, whatever. But I, I'm just curious if there's anything else you want to discuss within the larger Fosse. Oh, so much. I, I wouldn't yeah. even know where to begin. Okay. I, I just, I'm, I'm so heartbroken that, that, you know, the way it looks in retrospect, that all that jazz was sort of like who he wanted to be and maybe Star was saying, well, this is who I really am. Maybe, sure. per- you know, perhaps we can see that as like the penultimate and the ultimate. I don't right. think it's it's that simple. I also think that, you know, he has a track record of like giving women like wonderful things. I mean, I, I will always talk about one of the last shots in Cabaret when Sally Bowles it decides to, she doesn't even decide to, it's just her job. She shows up for her job. Yeah. She thinks about her abortion for a minute. She thinks about her lover going on a train and that being the last she'll ever see of him and that she has to show up to work because that's what she does. And that is what she chose. And before she goes on stage, she goes from thinking about it to not thinking about it. And you see her go into a smile and then the curtain opens and she walks onto stage and Fosse shot that in a medium. And I think that is so fucking brilliant. I think that he did not decide to go in close on mm-hmm. Liza's beautiful, expressive, eyes. from the back of a fucking theater face. Mm-hmm. You could see her backstage at the Kit Kat Club, make that decision, and then go on stage and do her fucking job. I think the restraint and the confidence in his lead actor is so fortifying. And I don't I, I do think that his attitude towards women, both personally and creatively, was complicated. If yes. I had just seen this film, I would not think that. So right. it does break my heart to leave his legacy with such an ugly relic. It is the thing that's so complicated about him because he obviously had this very unhealthy dynamic with women and relationship to them. And and I I don't say what I'm about to say to excuse the previous thing. But it also is like he had these meaningful artistic collaborations. Yes, with he women was, he respected as collaborators, Ranking and, and Verdon and so many of the dancers he worked right, with. Right, and Minnelli and, and all yes. these people. And it's like these lines were constantly getting crossed with him sexually. But it, but it is that thing of, you're right, if you, if you only watched this movie and read stories about Bob Fosse's personal life, you would come to a very different conclusion about him in totality. And I don't say this to excuse any of his behavior or condemn any of it either, right? He, like a lot of people, incredibly fucking complicated Mm -hmm. and, uh, you know, good and bad. But there is, I I think, not just in the relationships he had as a collaborator with those people, but there's just like insight into Sally Bowles as a character, Charity as a character. I would even argue Honey Bruce. Mm -hmm. Like, Absolutely. You know, who really 
is like Patty a co-lead of that movie. That movie. And yeah. Valerie Prine is given room to give such a fucking incredible performance. It is the thing that is lacking in this movie and is bizarre because for how much the failings of this film fit into his failings as a human being, they, they had not been failings of his as a dramatist up until this point. Absolutely. And not just as a dramatist, but as a creative, you know... I hate the word hyphenate, but, right. you know, th this auteur. Yeah. And I do think ultimately what, you know, however he conducted himself as a as a private human is a part of the conversation, certainly. But ultimately, I, I judge creative men by how they collaborate with like the Nichols and May of it all. Yeah. And, you know, Monica Johnson writing with Albert Brooks, like I think about that as do you really respect <laughs> women that you will listen to us, not just as a director, lead actor, but the way he and Gwen Verdon, and the reason why it's Fosse Verdon is because he trusted her with his choreography and he trusted her with her direction. And those yes. are the family jewels when it comes to an auteur's ego and that he was able to let her in and let her speak to the performers and let her help him shape the, the thing that he is sort of mo like, that's where his, that's, you know, where his identity really is is um, very special and interesting about him. Yeah, we wouldn't be talking about him if he was not, like, an absolutely compelling, fascinating artist. Like, right. Yes. But the yeah. process, letting, um, mm -hmm. yeah. you know, like, hiring Tina to be head writer, that, that to me is very, that, that's, that's unusual, and especially in the 70s when you got all the credit. Right. Dave and I were texting about this the other day, but the whole sort of cultural phenomenon of certain men who are young geniuses Especially in film. Sure. Get divorced. And 70s film, which is, sure, you know, capital absolutely. S, capital right. F. Yes. But like Bogdanovich, Polly Platt's a key mm -hmm. example of this, right? Get divorced and never fucking get back in the groove again, ever again. And it sort of reveals like, oh, that person was a collaborator, you know? Whether it was Marsha Lucas or Polly Platt, and mm -hmm. they actually had... Yeah, that was your marriage. ...designated roles on the film, but in addition, clearly were balancing out a lot more than just that in a Gwen Verdon way. Oh, your credit is this, but really you're the other part of the brain. But trust. also not to be, because I also hate the, you know, backhanded, like, well, you're the one behind the man. Nope. You, no, it's, it was it's truly she, like two-headed director and everyone thing. knew it. Yeah. Right. That's, mm -hmm. that's the thing. It's like a lot of these guys, I think, feel like, well, she was like a good whisper in my ear. Rather than being like, we're the Cohen brothers. Yoko and John. Right. Know. We're working in tandem. There's mm -hmm. a thing that's missing. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And whether it was somewhat selfish of him or not, there was something at least perceptive enough in Fosse to when he had fucked up that marriage being like, I can't make movies without her. And this is the movie that she probably has the least involvement well, in. Well, he knew that he couldn't make theater without he her. He couldn't really make anything without her well. But he... I. Yeah, the the film Fosse and film is a, is a fascinating yeah. notion because it's not like theater because he you know she was with him that night when he died because she was like basically directing Sweet Charity right. you know right. Let me give you a little post Star eighty Fosse please. Michael Jackson asks him to shoot the music video for Thriller, which is crazy. crazy. But obviously, Michael Jackson considers Bob Fosse like a colossal. If you see the little prince, it makes perfect sense. Yeah. I mean, Third like, episode in a row we've talked about this. Uh -huh. I, I love that fucking Yeah, he looks like he's book. about to drop dead in yeah, the desert. Insane. Yeah. insane. Um, you can't believe he's actually still alive. No, it's shocking. It's, yeah. Yeah. Bob Fosse declines because he thinks Michael Jackson is weird. 
He is very bummed out. That story. That's saying a lot. <laughs> That's saying a lot. <laughs> yeah, Bob Fosse's like, mm, yeah, I don't want to deal with you. Uh, Bob Fosse's really bummed out that Star 80 does horribly. Mm-hmm. He essentially retreats to the Hamptons where he like kind of spends the rest of his life with this uh, new girlfriend, Phoebe Younger. Let's just clarify. Not only does horribly, but the reviews are like, what the fuck is wrong with you? Why would you do this? It's, it's a little like the Peeping Tom thing. Where people are like, how dare you? Yes. Except Peeping Tom is like eventually kind of vindicated. And this people were like, no, fuck you. Yeah. Go sit absolutely. in the corner. Yeah. He is just sort of like moves in with Phoebe Unger. She said that he would just like show her movies and like talk about them. At a certain point, she was just casting his Oscar votes for him. They were just like sitting there being movie nerds mm-hmm. together. He eventually comes back to try and save the choreography on how Prince's famous Broadway bomb grind. Uh, and then he what works. Is grind? I mean, it's, it's a musical that, that you know went nowhere. Uh, but it's a Hal Prince you know musical, yeah. so it was a big deal. Uh, it's a portrait of an African American burlesque house in Chicago in the 30s. I have never heard okay. of this show. Yeah, wow. sounds okay. adjacent uh, to dancing and the other stuff that yeah. was going right. on. But yeah. it didn't do well. He works on Big Deal, uh, which I mentioned before. He starts working on the survival of Sweet Charity with Gwen Verdon, and they're having a great time together. As much as Gwen Verdon's like, it's, you know, same old Bob. I mean, the thriller of it all is an interesting factoid, not be, not just because of the Michael Jackson. It's like he could have gotten fabulous, fabulous music videos made if he had cared to. I, I imagine he he believed that was below him. I'm yeah. sure he did, but you're right because it's sort of like you look at you know you were only a couple years before those are basically like you know the, the coolest. You know, right, it's right around when they are starting to become. He like, should have art. done music videos. Yeah, he should have. He also, I mean, that would have reinvigorated his career it would have opened up a new chapter but i it's a chapter i think he probably would not have he was snotty about it and then he put the worst soundtrack ever together for this so but like even if he had done the thriller music video Mm -hmm. and it had blown up and everyone was like holy fucking shit Mm -hmm. i still think he would have been like i'm not gonna fucking do this again well yeah he should have yeah big deal seems like this sort of all-consuming thing that is like sort of the final thing that does him in it's a huge flop adapting fucking italian Right. Movies into musicals. He well, does win a Tony. Well, Charity was. Yeah. Was it? Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, right, right, right. All right. that jazz is so right. eight and a half adjacent. Yeah, and yeah. Nine is its yeah. own fucking literal musical. Sure. Right. But he does like it as much as it's not a hit. He is, like, satisfied. He's uh-huh. working. He's, yeah, he's doing what he does. And he wins yeah. a Tony, his final Tony for mm-hmm. choreography. And then he starts working on a Walter Winchell movie that's going to star... Robert De Niro, his big white whale mm. at this point, clearly. So about, you know, gossip column, you know, right. sort of a sweet smell of success kind of thing, yeah. right? And uh, then he dies before it starts filming. In Gwen Verdon's arms, yes. outside the theater, opening night. In the middle of the street. A few yeah. other things that are late Fosse projects that are just fascinating to consider. Mm-hmm. Chicago, like we mentioned. Mm-hmm. Dreamgirls, uh, mm-hmm. the yep. film adaptation of yep. Dreamgirls, which fascinating to consider. Mm-hmm. Uh, a Broadway adaptation of Anne Rice's novel, The Vampire Less Dat, starring David Bowie and Mick Jagger. I mean... Sounds like a good time. Cool. Yeah. And Good Morning Vietnam, which he was very interested I in. I saw that recently. Wow. Yes. I loved it. I it's good. It was so, I've never seen it. Yeah. yeah. It is very kind and human. And, it is. And, and It's a very sentimental it, movie. You'd like it, Griffin. It, yeah. It's a, it's, a, it's a good movie. It's such a relief when well you made. watch a movie like that that you've somehow missed and you've assumed in your mind like that thing's going to be a relic of its time and I'll understand some of the values but it's going to age weirdly. Or re- not age poorly but just like. Job. And then yeah. you watch it and you're just like this thing fucking rules. And also Robin Williams is gone and so it's, it, right. it's, a, it's one of his you know like all heart yeah. performances. It's I need brilliant. To and, um, and, and 
Robert Wool. Oh, Bobby's in it. Bobby's in. Yeah. Bobby. 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 Uh, and yeah, no, he dies, you know, in Gwen's arms at the intersection of Pennsylvania and 14th and Washington, D.C., where they were working. And that's it. You know, it is quite a way to go. All his friends go out to dinner on his tab, which mm-hmm. was specified in his will. Was he unhealthy? What was going on? Yes. He smoked like one yeah, he billion, like billion jillion when he cigarettes died. a day. He looked horrible. Yeah. Oh, my God. So I mean, we, the idea that, that he got to pick Roy Scheider to play him is like, yes, I'd like. Uh, Jessica Chastain, play me, please. <laughs> and I would like her to be really amazing. And, you know. Scheider's also just like in such amazing shape in that movie. Like, Ray Scheider's fabulous in it. That's it's why it's just, it's a, it, it, is, it is so unfair to see Eric Roberts get the Roy Scheider treatment sure. in this movie about sure. being an incel piece of shit. Yes. Yeah. As opposed to, you know, <laughs> someone who is a complicated person making fabulous art. Yes. And, you know, uh, the final memory here is David Picker, uh, one of his guys, saying when he got home, there was a phone message on his machine from Bobby saying, like, I want to talk to you about the script you just sent me. Like, he's still talking about show business and Bobby is dead. That's what he says in all that jazz. Work, that's all there is. Yeah. Um, it is a fascinating career. It There's is. no question. I would love to see some of... The- How- I wish he had made, like, five more movies. It's, it's yeah. absolutely a shame that he didn't make more yeah. How much in this series, which I'm very excited to listen to, did you or were you able to discuss about theater, knowing that theater is not something you can just call up and say, oh, this is what Chicago was? Yeah, we talk a lot on the Cabaret episode about the various permutations of that show. The movie's so much better than the show. I agree. Maybe people are not on record in the theater world as much as they... You know, or but, they're but so it is different the movie and the show. I oh, think the, the, the approach so to the movie is brilliant. There's some at, wonderful yeah, performances least. from the stage. I loved seeing Alan Cumming, and I know that there's a fabulous production in London. Apparently, yeah, Jesse with um, Buckley, Eddie Redmayne right, is apparently Redmayne. like yeah. fabulous and just right. yes. Um, but that film really took it and just exploded yeah. it. So it was. We have our researcher JJ is great and has put together uh, what he calls a fossier, which is a dossier of fossey related <laughs> yes. facts. So we've we've tried to stay up on sort of the context of the important theater works in between those things and the different productions. And then yeah, we had Zegler on the cabaret episode, who's such a student of the history of musical theater. But it that it's is impossible it to is the analyze. Thing. Yeah. I mean, I I, I so trying often, to catch a cloud or something. You, absolutely. Yeah. And I mean, when I'll like read. Uh, Wikipedia entries when I'm just I can't sleep at night even prior to this series and go down rabbit holes of like certain actors careers and like what were the big fucking Broadway shows that elevated them or these famous you know productions of these classic works or whatever and there is this feeling of like you had to be there buddy you had to be there for it yeah Yeah. right I will say the did you discuss Liza with a Z we will We're be doing discussing that. that. On yeah, our it Patreon. Will I think we'll have posted it. We have I will come it, back yeah. to discuss Liza with a Z. I think Liza with a Z is such a, an incredible example of how you can direct theater for yes. film. Yeah. And in, in a way that I can't think of anything else because everything else is sort of PBS archive. Make sure right. that they're in focus. Yeah. And just, you know, people be like, it is just so difficult. believe me. I know. I know. Well, like, it's like, do you cut it all? Oh, like, do you and just... exactly. he shows that Gwen Verdon in the audience losing her mind. Liza backstage, all of the edits, he can do exactly the right. Like, you do the medium shot for the hand flick that he wants. The the cutting is just sublime. It is such an incredible. I've, I've never seen a better example of shooting theater. 
Uh, it, it's been a little chunk of time since we recorded our Sweet Charity episode, a movie mm-hmm. I enjoyed uh, mm-hmm. greatly. Great movie. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then since then, I, I pretty much, like, maybe in two months, uh, have had, uh, if they could see me now, stuck in my head on a continuous uh-huh. loop. And you've seen Gwen perform it, but it's on variety well, shows. Well, so this is what I was going to say. Yeah, so yeah. I've like gone down this rabbit hole where I keep on watching any performance of it I can by anyone at a high level, mm-hmm. right? So every different film version of Gwen Verdon doing it, different variety shows, doing it at the Tonys or career retrospectives. Mm-hmm. There are many different, but none of them are A, equivalent to that being properly adapted to film, say had she been in the theatrical film, or B, capturing the feeling of seeing her do it live. I watched fucking Sutton Foster do it and mm-hmm. Christina Applegate do it and whatever. Oh, yeah, that was I went, bad. Yeah. I went to see... Uh, She's great, but bad yes. is, yeah. I went to see Tony Danza, Cafe Carlisle. I'm sorry for your loss. I had a ball of a time. Yeah. I was enjoying it. The 20s, and then, yeah, Woody came out with his clarinet. And, he did. Yeah. It was just dancing. Yeah, I know. It was just dancing with a little song Yeah, show. all right. Woody nowhere just to Just a little? It's a $27 martini. And, well, yeah. this is true. <laughs> of course. But then at the end of it, he did fucking If They Could See Me Now. Yeah. And I almost started crying. I'm just like, I'm so fucking into this song Oh, now. really? You've seen Kathy Lee Gifford sing it for Carnival Cruise? I've uh, seen. Sure. Ev- I've been like watching <laughs> yeah, yeah. every fucking, <laughs> yeah. listening mm-hmm. to every sure. version of it. It's and, a fun song. Cy Coleman is fabulous. You do, totally. um, have you listened, have, you know, City of Angels at all? I, I fabulous know show. of it. Yes. Wonderful. It, enjoy it. Enjoy the soundtrack. It's a, um, Gelbart wrote the book. Okay. Yes, and David Zippel, the um, you know, the Hercules guy. It's a right? it's a wonderful show. Yep. Psych Coleman's fabulous. It is that thing that's so fucking frustrating. And it's why I'm happy Fosse Verdon exists as a series to like sort of textualize her importance. It's imperfect, but there are three episodes that are dropped dead. Agreed. Uh, Pip and Lenny and um I don't remember, maybe the pilot or yeah. yeah. But it is that thing where you're just like you have to kind of take people's word to some degree. Mm-hmm. And especially with that one where it's just like, well, everyone agreed at the time that, that came out that the thing, the flaw of the movie, one of the inherent flaws of the movie was try as she might. Surely? Yeah, it's just like she's Shirley's never innocent. Capture. Shirley's innocent. I he agree. was excited about the 60s effect. It's sure. way too long. Way too long. Um, He's doing everything at once. Right. But. Big Spender is shot the way the show was meant to. That that sure. to me is a Big perfect Spender's translation. So cool. There's great yeah. shit in it, and but but like yeah, it just all is like why couldn't I see Verdon do this? Why why does this only exist in my head? Why is this? It just becomes a, a fucking legend. Theater, well, Ver- Verdon is right. in it's Damn vapor. Yankees, which is kind of shocking. Yeah, uh, that she. But um, yeah, whatever Lola wants. That to me was that's my whatever worm ear eye worm. Yeah. Um, the scene in the locker room. I rewatched that again recently yeah. as well because of this. But but it is it is that she thing. Was, it's tough to talk about someone. She was precision. She yeah. was like um, what is it? What do they say? Like Dionysus, Dionysus versus mm-hmm. what is it? Apollonia, like the like right. the the like line versus like you know feeling versus brain basically sure like sure. like like verdon was precision yeah and then ranking was like all feeling, sensuality yeah. Yeah. oh right. all all round and um you know not surprising she had arthritis and all those health problems yeah. you think she had probably had no joints or any stability and but but i mean oh my god those those two and i know weren't it's not nice to think about women as like well you got your jackies and your marilyn's but sure. like Wow, those two as muses to him, absolute, just incredible artists that he was able to use as paintbrushes, 
but also they were, you they're know, holding different. the brush as yeah. well. So Liza kind of dead yeah. center between them almost. Well, Liza's a, a wonderful actress, and I think he, she was able to. Um, yeah, that's a really interesting point where Liza in terms to of fit style in and that. technique. Yeah, yeah, she's a fabulous singer. She acts through her singer, and then and then as a dancer, she's just a, this like floppy fun noodle, she's right? This goofy noodle, absolute loopy. Yeah, you know, and, and a, a beautiful dancer in her own right, but so personality driven that it is like that's film acting for yeah. you. I love Liza. I do. Too. I can't oh, wait to talk a, Liza with this a, name. Yeah, what a, we're yeah. very lucky to have her. Let's do the box office game, Griffin, okay. and then let's do our Fosse rankings. Okay. I think that's all we have to do left, right? I think so. Star 80. We're going to talk about the box office of the week this movie came out, Julie. Okay. Open in limited release. It's not in the top five. Okay. This is November 1983. Okay. November 11th. Okay. Remember, remember. Remember, remember. Number one of the box office is a generational classic. It's not Return of the Jedi. No, no, I mean, generational, e I really not mean e it. Or... Not E.T. Not E.T., good guesses. I mean, it's about a generation. Oh, it, uh, it's not American the big chill. Graffiti? It is the big chill. It is the big chill. I oh, it was too gosh, that's chill. interesting. Yeah. Yes. Uh, 1983, okay. the big, yeah. how much of love's fun, sex fun, and friendship can a person take? Yeah. That's the tagline for the big chill. Huge hit. Yeah. Uh, I was having this conversation the other day about how, like, uh, it, like Motown embraced that movie and released the soundtrack on their label, right. and it was like this big boost to all those old artists. It if made that came Motown today, white, yeah. If they were just like, here's this movie about like white yuppies enjoying black music, right? I, I just the, the think pieces for that while would, they're doing their all chores in their summer them. home. It, no, it's yes, dreadful. Right, while they're washing the, the dishes. big chill is yeah. is right. It's kind of an you know whatever it's disgrace it's, racially. Well, sure. <laughs> I mean, not that these people would have, you know, non-white friends, but uh, right. but I've only seen it once on like, my they, grandma's TV. They couldn't TV. have gotten into that college anyway. Yeah. What's because what is it? Is it Grand Canyon that's kind of trying yes. to be like Gen X Big Chill or whatever? Yes. And everyone's Canyon. like Grand Canyon is from it. So yes. glad we're talking about Grand Canyon. Uh, I have not seen. I saw the Big Chill as a teenager on my grandma's TV in Utica on like mm -hmm. a twelve-inch <laughs> screen. I'm, it was a. I remember. That's how I remember the Big Chill. Sure. With my mom constantly interjecting, being like, you don't understand. Like, you know, like, you don't get it. Let me try to explain to you. I think that's how I, I mean, I think I like half watched it as like a 10 or 12 year old on TV. And my dad trying to explain to me like, but this was like, when it came out, it was this like kind of blew everyone's mind. It's definitely yeah. worth rewatching as an adult because it was right. such an adult movie when yeah. like, you know, entertain, children's entertainment with ch Star Wars is for children. Right. Big shows for, for adults. Never the tween shall meet. Right, right. This weird branching off point where Kasdan has like fucking launched Indiana Jones and done the Star Wars sequels and is like, and now I make the movies family for the movies. Right. Number two, the box office is James Bond film. Uh, in 83. But it's a weird one. It's a weird one. It's not Never Say Never Again. It is Never Say Never which Again. Which you say doesn't count. Uh, it does not count. It is a remake of Thunderball. It's a okay. bad movie, but it is directed by Irvin Kirshner. Yeah. Number three, whose uh, Empire Strikes Back follow-ups were not good. His best, no, work, it's true. Yeah. We're behind. Number three, the box office is stuff. a stand-up movie. It's a stand-up comedy punchline. No, no, no. It's not like Eddie a movie Murphy? about oh, stand-up comedy. Eddie Murphy. It's not Eddie Murphy, but you know, a, a comic of that renown. A comic of that. It's is it is it a Richard Pryor? Yes. Live on the Sunset Strip. No. It's the later one. What's the later one? Is it the name of the venue? Or does uh, it no. have a catchy it, title? It's it's a you know it's a catchy title I guess. I don't think I know. Richard that. Pryor, Here and Now. Oh oh oh! I think it's his sure. last concert movie. Yes, at yes. least that was released in theaters. Yes. 
Yeah, you know. George Carlin's never been funny, and I'm sick of seeing all this shit about abortion <laughs> with his face connected to it. That's all. <laughs> uh, when will Jesus bring the pork chops? <laughs> I've I've never listened to George Carlin's comedy. I know nothing of George Carlin. Yeah, I'm, I'm gonna I'm gonna admit sure. this. I like Judd Apatow's Gary Shandling talk. Yeah. Well, I, the Gary Shandling doc was amazing. Yeah, I absolutely. liked the Carlin doc just I because I thought... the last 45 minutes. <laughs> same Lenny sure. review, but I loved it. I thought it was a yeah. beautifully made doc. I couldn't watch that I mean, George Carlin movie see, if you gave me money. I love Shandling. Like, I genuinely loved him as an artist. Whereas Carlin, I watched that, and I think he is very you interesting. You did watch it? I did. Okay. I did. I had no. COVID. Uh, I was stuck <laughs> in bed. It went up. COVID. Was, COVID. Right. Oh, if we only George Carlin were alive to COVID. speculate on COVID. COVID. Yeah, yeah, you got your back, um, you got your Moderna. Yeah. Oh, kill No, but I, I was like, yeah, I was stuck in bed and I was like, yeah, give me five hours of uh-huh. fucking. And I do, he is interesting as a figure. He is interesting Disagree. as. Met a million guys. No, a million guys like that. I'm not saying him. I'm saying in terms yeah, yeah. of like charting the way that comedy evolves around him. Sure. That oh, he's yeah, almost like a force impact line impactful. across the different Absolutely. His influence of more than his. Yeah. Anyway, that, I didn't mean to interrupt. I like, but no, I don't you, know, I like the this jeans he wore over the years. That's just true. But this is the thing. I have no negative Carlin. That's right. I've just never you know, done Bell it. Ask I, I watched these five hours and I was like, I should fucking put on five a Carlin hours. special. And then I put it on. And I was like, I don't really enjoy watching this. Yeah. I find him. I find his That's existence a work day. interesting. Five hours. Yeah. I know. Well, COVID. Number four at the box office uh, was number one the week before. Okay. Uh, it is a comedy flop. It's got big stars. Big flop. Eighty three comedy. Yeah. Star. Big director. Big director. Mm-hmm. Is it John Landis? No. It's not Best Defense, is it? No, but it is it's a, similar to a that. military arms com- oh, comedy. Is it, the, is it the fucking, um, is it the Chevy Chase, yes. Gregory Hines? Yes, Sigourney Weaver. Oh, And it's called Deal of the Century? Yes, and who directed it? Oh. It's directed by, it's directed An by Oscar William Friedkin? An Oscar-winning director, William Friedkin. Oh, interesting. Not someone who screams Chevy Chase comedy. Right, they're Friedkin. arms dealers? or what uh, are- Yes, Chevy Chase is an arms dealer. And I don't know, uh, you know, whatever. Other That's one of those movies where I remember seeing the video box and turning it around and being like, this is a fucking thing? What are you fucking talking about? Yeah. The posters, all three of them with like aviators giving a thumbs up. Yeah, right? my, my head would spin like Reagan's and the Exorcist right. away from the television screen. <laughs> it doesn't make a full rotation. It, it no, lands I would when just it's look away. I'd away say, from the What's screen? over there? Yeah. Not this movie. It had opened number one the week before. It's dropped wow. to number four. So wow. clearly people are like, P.E.U. Yeah. yeah. Um, number five at the box office is an early film from a big star. Early film, big star. Still a big star. A cruise? It's a cruise. It's a cruise. It's a cruise. It's not risky business. No, it's even earlier. Pre, is it taps? Not taps. Is it? It's not losing it? Not losing it. It's not all the right moves? It is all the right okay. moves. Okay. There you go. Well, I got there. You see his dick in it. Yeah. Ooh. I watched uh, Cocktail for the first time. That's a confounding movie. Cocktail is... My mother's always had a crush on Brian Brown. I mean, Brian Brown's kind of hot in Cocktail. Yes. He, I get it. Brian Brown in Cocktail <laughs> also is playing it like he's in a drama. Yes. And the movie is sort of like, eh, who cares, right? But like, he is definitely trying to be locked in in that movie. That, well, that movie is bizarre. It's bizarre. It is so bizarre. Because it's like... Tom Cruise wants to be a big hit in the city. He can't right. figure it out. He can't right. get hired, right? So he becomes right. a 
waiter at a, a bartender at TGI Fridays, Correct. and he's so good at it that he gets to be a bartender at a better bar. Right. And then that falls apart when he cheats on his girlfriend for no good reason as yep. part of like a bet. Right. And then the movie cuts to like three years later and they're in Jamaica or yes. the Bahamas or whatever. Yes. They're in the Caribbean. Uh-huh. And then it becomes kind of like a murder movie or like not like a, like kind of like a That's, Brian Brown is underwater. I just remember the poem. The poem is everything. The stuff yes. in the, yeah. Yeah. I was digging into it. I mean, it sounds like it was like, it was a tougher script that got sanded They were down, trying to yeah. make like Bright Lights Big City or some shit. Oh, really? I just watched it at a slumber yeah. party. And then a slumber party right, movie. Right, this yeah, is yeah. what's confounding about it. And then at some point they were just like, we got to make it a fucking Tom Cruise movie. And they like reshot half of it and it becomes more about him winning back Elizabeth Shue, oh. her being a secret rich girl in the penthouse and all I'll that sort of shit. But like the murder mystery of Kelly Lynch gets sort of like punted. Fine. It's very bizarre. It's very bizarre. Kokomo though. Oh yeah. Aruba, Jamaica. Do I want, want to take, take you, etc. Uh, some other movies in the top ten: The Dead Zone. Okay. Oh, sure, fabulous movie. Yeah, Brooke amazing Adams. movie. Uh, inspiration for one of my favorite SNL sketches of all time. What's that? Ed Glosser, Trivial Psychic. Do you remember this oh, one? Oh yeah, that's funny. It's when yeah. Walken went. I think his first time hosting yes. to promote the Dead Zone, and that's he's hilarious. a guy where anytime anyone touches them, yeah. <laughs> he gets a premonition of the most trivial thing that's about to happen in their life. You're gonna get coffee. It's gonna be a little too hot. Like, burn me? <laughs> no, just. Yeah. A little too hot, buddy. Uh, the I, right... For people, I wasn't even trying to do a walk impression. I don't want to <laughs> fail. I don't want to even try. The right stuff. Oh, sure. Educating Rita. Good yeah. movie. Wait, is Return of the Jedi in here anywhere? Yes. Number 18. It's been okay. out for half a year. Sure. So. I'm just saying, yeah. it's interesting that even the culture Hi. has changed so much by this point that certainly half a year into Star Wars is run, it, it was, was higher the top up. 10 or whatever. Yeah, Empire sure, Strikes sure, Back sure. was higher up. Now it, it's, it, these things are fizzling yeah. out faster. But it's made whatever, hundreds of millions of dollars. Yeah. It's, a, it's a big hit. It's a big um, hit. That's Ewok, the don't run office. to the theater. <laughs> I just remember said. that was a thing entertainment week really? said. Yeah. <laughs> and then, yeah, what's your Fosse 5? It's tough. To make the Fosse 5. Well, no, it's easy to make the 5 because he didn't make a 6 film. I feel like I go all that jazz about Cabaret. I do too, but I'm not sure about it. But I'm I not think... sure about it either. It's also the thing. Uh, do you, Julie? I, I don't. I don't know. I I don't want to. You know, it's I, I don't want to throw away Revolver because I like Abbey Road. It's not. It, it, right. it, it's on. It's it's impossible. I would put Cabaret and all that jazz as number one. They're both just absolute essential masterpiece. Well, it's also just like, that's like all that jazz is about as defining a statement as an artist has ever made, right? Cabaret beat The Godfather. No, I know. I'm right? just saying in terms just, of just no, like, I'm just trying to yeah, remember because yes, I, I yeah. actually, I, I'm not nearly as knowledgeable as you are it, in it terms beat of it context. for director, not for picture. Oh, it didn't? Yes. It loses picture, it wins director. Oh, I didn't There's realize that. There's this weird Fosse Coppola thing that we've talked about. But where what a fabulous. Oh, yeah. Despite that, yeah. what a fa what a, what an undeniable masterpiece yes. to, you know, to shoot for the king and you best not miss. This is, I mean, what I said right? to Ben, I'm just like, do you know who he beat out for best director that year? Yeah, yeah. Francis Ford Coppola in The Godfather, the guy we use as shorthand for directing a movie well. Yeah. I, I mean, there's just the thing, unfortunately, the cabaret just feels more and more relevant <laughs> as time goes on. It just feels like this incredibly... That shot of the, the distorted Nazis and the brass. At the fucking end. It's just, will never not be haunting. Wait, people hadn't seen a movie about the Holocaust, and not just the Holocaust, but also in the tradition of Great musicals. Gypsy, by the way, best musical ever. Not my favorite, 
My favorite is Sunday in the Park. Okay. My, the best musical ever is Gypsy. It's at the end of vaudeville. Yeah. The idea that this is the end of uh, Weimar and the beginning right. of yeah. something, and it is a, the period of dread and great art, just a complete, and people, ha it's like the producers being like, oh my God, you know, think of it, this was less than a generation away. And you're right. And it's this guy comes out with, I mean, fine, the mafia, sure. This, un there are, there are, I mean, Pauline Kale was close, but otherwise, there are no words. What a masterpiece. I agree. I agree. Yeah, I don't know. I'd say I'd say Cabaret Photo Finish number two for me. And then I guess I'd go. You'd go Star 80, Sweet. No. No, no Star I 80, think Lenny, I'd go Lenny. Interesting. Star 80, Sweet Charity. But it is this thing of just like, Sweet Charity is a lumpy movie that brings joy versus Star 80, a film that just makes me think very deeply about everything I hate about the world. You know? Like but I, I think, will but, but have I convinced you that it's merely powerful, not fabulous? I, I think you, you have certainly you've. It would be wild to call that movie yeah. fabulous. Yeah, or I even also, great. I yeah, mean, I, I'll say this: like, I don't know if I will ever, ever watch it ever again in my life, and and just even academically feel the need to study it. But that's experiential. I think. I, no, no, I'm even not saying quality, yeah. you watched it recently, and you, yeah, 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 you still think it's a great film. I mean, he still made it. I, I, yeah, yeah, yeah. But I, I, it's on a level with, I don't know. I, I don't wish he hadn't. Is that weird a, to say? No, it's not. I wish he hadn't. It's not. No, it's not weird to say. I mean, I, I just a find nasty that movie thing to say about a thing, to though. To be just a completely. I wish you hadn't been born. Like, what a terrible thing to well, say. Well, it's not. No, no one. Right. You're not. Should I take it back? Maybe I should you're take just, it back. You're just wishing. Uh, you know, you're talking millions of dollars in people's time, and you're wishing a sliding doors moment in his career. It hurt women. It hurt people. It certainly didn't help anybody. Yeah. And I, I think you present a very pervasive argument for the damage of it. Yeah. Persuasive argument. Persuasive. Yeah, yes. Yeah, it would be, and yeah. I think, I, I don't know. I think it's like, it, to, it, to some degree, the movie contains the evil I think it's about. And I absolutely, I, I, and perpetuates it. it it's that's pornography. What I'm it's, so the question it. is like, am I giving it credit for capturing the thing that I think it is? Is it doing that with any insight or is it just merely Absolutely like not. fucking trapping and, an evil but, genie? But then in a do you need yeah. self-awareness in order to make something great? These are it, it complicated yeah. questions. Yeah. Yeah. But but sweet charity, th thank God it exists. There are people finding rich man's frug on YouTube every day. Yeah. I mean, the pieces of sweet charity are like Absolutely. Rhythm of life is yes. a joy. And yeah. So is that your thing? I'm a brass band. I think it's my five. Oh, oh no, sorry. Lenny Just, is number three. Star 80 number four. I think sweet charity is number five. I wow! Really? I think I have it. I, I think but Sweet I... Charity's got those joyful. Wow, this is that's... what I'm saying. It's like a fucking. Put Star Eighty Last. You'll feel better about yourself. I probably won't. David, what's your? I name? have Star Eighty Last, although I'm not sure about it and Lenny. Like, because like Lenny is a movie where I'm like, I think that's you know, I didn't respond too much to it, but I do think it's like beautifully made and mm -hmm. well done. And Star Eighty, I actually responded it to it quite a lot, but I also kind of want to put it away in a corner. I mean, I don't if someone showed you a of video of you someone being shot in the head, you'd respond to that. No, I've seen that, and I responded to that differently, uh, which I didn't like that either, to be clear. You know, but like, you know, you, you know, when on YouTube, you, what's her name? Christine Chubbuck. Uh, I haven't yeah, seen that yeah. video. But like once when I was a teenager, someone showed me one but, of the But I mean, like emotional reaction is not necessarily indicative. No, of, no, like, no. No, yes. but yeah. I mean, like, like, 
But I'm a film critic. I see a lot of fucking movies. And a lot of movies just kind of wash over me. Like, I certainly, res- you know, I respect a movie that will provoke a reaction. No, it's not boring. Yeah. I'll say this, too. There are movies that, like, upset me that I don't give any credit to. Like, I don't think just eliciting an emotional response out of me, immediately I, I give credit. But what a shame that he used his talent to make such a nasty... I, I you know. cannot disagree with that. I go cabaret. I'm going to go cabaret all that jazz. Okay. Sweet Charity Lenny. Started. Okay. I'm probably gonna do the same, but I can't. I can't compare Cabaret and all that jazz. I'm gonna put Cabaret as the top as a very, very powerful, sentimental favorite movie that like changed True. my life when I was like, a, when we're all dead, people should see Cabaret first. Yeah, all that jazz. It's very close at those. those I mean, and I've just too. seen people preparing for th- these episodes coming out, watching Cabaret for the first time, going, "Oh, like, you Holy must, fucking you must. That is shit. Not I cannot believe how not negotiable. Yeah, how modern this film still feels. How bracing it feels. Yeah. Um, but that's it. That's Bob. What a time with Bob we've had. Bobby. Look, I've always wanted to do it almost since the beginning of this podcast because I just think it is, uh, he, he is, his film career is not thought of as a complete sort of statement and for ups and downs, it really is an interesting one. I mean, and just the, the weird, like the fact that does Coppola have a movie this year? Uh, the outsiders is this year. Okay. Why? What's your, what? No, no, the thing of like Cabaret, Godfather, Godfather mm-hmm. 2, Lenny, all that jazz, Apocalypse Now. Sure, that they right. had this weird sort of like dance. Right, but now this is, they're both kind of in a weird decline. I know. Yeah. What would have lined up perfectly is if uh, One from the Heart was the same year or as Or Cotton this. Club, which is 84. Right, Cotton Club is the one that so that's coming it should close. have been the same year as yeah, this. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, Okay, well, eh. life doesn't work out. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Also, you have to put Sweet Charity above Starity because Sweet Charity is a movie musical and there are so few fabulous, exceptional movie musicals. It's true. And the guy knew how to fucking... I love Sweet Charity. To, to, to sync up his choreography with his filmmaking. Yes. I, In a way that few did. It's a shame that he didn't make more musicals. And, and speaking of a shame, yeah. and I think it is absolutely imperative that we say this, AIDS wiped out an entire generation of gay men mm-hmm. who were disproportionately the most brilliant theater artists, specifically, not to mention artists, um, period. Yeah. I think very frequently about what kind of filmmaker a Michael Bennett would have been or mm-hmm. could have been. Bob Fosse was an example of a director choreographer that got a chance to make a film. Um, and I think about all of the privilege that all the people that AIDS took from us could have had just like him. Well, I mean, we did the uh, Musker and Clements, the the Disney directors uh, a year or two ago, uh, which ended up being a lot about Howard Ashman as well. Mm -hmm. And it's the pipeline of animation. The fact that things take years and years to get made means that even though he died so young, there are like three films with his fingerprints on them on top of Little Shop. Right. Little Where, like, fabulous. he was able to have these films that were coming out years after he had yeah. died, posthumously winning Oscars, yeah. and also, like, having that ripple effect on our understanding of storytelling at large. Yes. Like, uh, even though he never got the chance to direct the films himself. Right. You're right. like, that's a guy who somehow was able to overcome yes. the limited time. Yeah. Yeah. And, and But I do, like, Adam Shankman. But what could he have done? Director Carver. Yeah. Who was able to direct and choreograph yes. Hairspray. Yes. The fabulous, that's another fabulous Agreed. movie musical. Agreed. And so much of the visual language takes cues from the choreography and the editing. So 
What a shame. What a shame. What a shame. Yep. I agree. Very well said. Yeah. Uh, this has been our main series on Bob Fosse. Julie, thank you so thank much. Thank you so much for having show. me. Thanks, Julie. Uh, is there anything you want to plug? Yeah. I mean, double threat. Uh, double threat. Yeah, double threat. Yeah, I just, it was very, very challenging watching this in the aftermath of Roe v. Wade and just thinking about women being treated like animals and we do not treat animals well. So um, it's a rough time. It's a rough time. <laughs> it was very, very, yeah. uh, it, um, really just uh, gr- grieving and painful. And um, I, uh, yeah, I don't know. <laughs> yeah, yeah, no, yeah. It's not a plug, just a thought. Absolutely. Yeah. Um, thank you for having me on our pleasure uh long overdue we our next mini series proper is stanley kubrick our march madness competition winner uh well please think about star 80 when you talk about clockwork orange we we will it's uh a a good think about you know how you know people say rape isn't about sex unless you shoot it real sexy it, it is a movie I've not seen, I think, since I was 13 years old, and I'm very curious uh, to rewatch. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Fear and Desire, Killer's Kiss, one episode. Yeah, combining them, combining and then them. one episode per movie after that, Pod's wide cast. No, we're going to combine 2001 and Barry Lyndon. Who, who yeah, it's going to be a short one, that, too. We'll double them up. It's going to be like 80 minutes. <laughs> yeah, right. yeah. It'll be like our fucking THX, Ben's like, American good. Graffiti. Sure. Yeah. No, we're not doing that. But yeah, first, our first Kubrick episode is Killer's Kiss and Fear and Desire. Yeah. Yes. Yeah, uh, and it'd be interesting to cover his movies. I mean, it's like, especially after coming off of Fosse, where all these movies are about, like, this guy working through all his fucking demons. Right. The Kubrick movies, it's, uh, there's obviously just the whole thing of, like, who the fuck was this guy? Sure. You know? Weird mystery I think how god, man. hard he worked to try to keep himself out of his movies. We'll talk about it. We'll talk about it. Yeah. Thank you all for listening. Please remember to rate, review, and subscribe. Thank you to Marie Barty for our social media and helping put the show together. Alex Barron, AJ McKeon for our editing. Thank you to JJ Birch for our research, uh, putting together the fossiers, which I know were particularly difficult ones, especially this one. Yeah, I think this one was annoying. I think he had fun, though. He liked it. He did, but uh, there's some difficult, some difficult material. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. This series. Thank you to Joe Bon and Pat Reynolds for our artwork. Lane Montgomery, the Great American Elf for our theme song. Go to blankcheckpod.com for some real nerdy shit, including... Blank Check special features, our Patreon page, where you do commentaries on franchises like the Roger Moore James Bonds. Yes. That's what we're doing. Right. Yes, that's what we're doing. That's what we're doing. Tune in next week for whatever we just told you is coming next week. Right. And as always, Hail Satan. Hail Satan. Great. Hail Satan. Hail Satan.